Yes, guys, and welcome back to another WM32 football podcast episode. Um, this week, back again with, with Big Nelson. Um, and if anybody remembers, a couple of weeks ago, me and Nelson, we went through our underrated uh, 11 from, from the Premier League, um, English Premier League. Um, and today we're going to be running through our overrated uh, Premier League 11. Um, going to be slightly different this time um, in comparison to our underrated 11, where in that episode, uh, Nelson gave his team and I gave mine. We're going to go a bit more back and forth um, this time, hopefully get more uh, dialogue going um, in, in that way, in that sense. Um, so straight into it, um, I'm going to go and start off first with my goalkeepers. Um, I've got three in mind here for overrated. Okay, cool. Um, so I'll run through them all on the list. Um, first one, uh, this was going to shock perhaps a lot of people, but it's the Man City um, goalkeeper, Edison. Um, now, my reason why I believe that he is slightly overrated is, OK, granted, he can ping a ball 60 yards and drop it on a sixpence. But actually, if you see a lot of goals that have been scored against Edison, um, a lot of them have been sort of through him and under his body. Um, you know, if I look at a lot of Hyunmin Son's goals, especially against City in recent seasons, um, there's there's been a good couple that have gone sort of under Edison or, or sort of through him really. Um, and obviously, as a goalkeeper, that's not really what you what you want to see, um, and especially one that is so highly regarded. Um, again, it, it's something that I think is lacking in in Edison's game, but isn't really highlighted or spoken about enough. Um, so yeah, that's sort of why he he was in in my thoughts with this one. Um, the second one on my list is somebody, and I think a few people might think this is a bit harsh, um, but it's Edouard Mendy from Chelsea. Um, I think he's seriously overrated. Like, as a goalkeeper, if I put myself in a player's situation, like, does he fill me with 100% confidence? Not really. I think he can be quite erratic, as a goalkeeper um, and I think you know there's okay he came in and Chelsea went on a fantastic run um, we think it was 16 games unbeaten or, or whatever um, this season in all competitions but yeah he just doesn't fill me with confidence um, like I said I think he's erratic at times I don't think his distribution both with his feet and, in, and his hands is is that great um, yeah, he just doesn't convince me. I don't think he's commanding enough in in his area. Look, listen, he's a big lad, but he's he's sort of lanky, if that makes sense. Like he's not yeah. very wide as a goalkeeper. I don't know if that's just a personal preference of mine that I perhaps like a bit more of a stockier goalkeeper. Um, but certainly, yeah, Edward Mendy's come into into my thinking over the last few weeks or so especially on on Chelsea's run the third one um is a player that I have spoken about quite a lot um in the last 18 months or so as being very very overrated and I said this to somebody a good while ago um and they were trying to convince me otherwise um the third goalkeeper I've gone for a Sheffield United goalkeeper Aaron Ramsdale um okay again think he's massively overrated um you know, 
somebody was trying to say to me the other day that he can't help the fact that in terms of what's in front of him, um, both at when he was at Bournemouth and even at Sheffield United. Um, and I looked at it this way, that when he came into that Bournemouth side, I know they had a lot of injuries, but those players, that back line, had finished mid-table and quite comfortably mid-table um, for, for a good few seasons. He's come in and all of a sudden Bournemouth get relegated. Now, I'm not saying that it's all down to Aaron Ramsdale, but you know, even at Sheffield United, they're struggling massively. Does he pull out saves or is he a goalkeeper that in moments, like I say, will pull out a save or, you know, something like that, that then you go, right, OK. And then it gives the, the rest of the team a bit of confidence, you know. Um, I've not seen that with Ramsdale at all. Um, and I think there's actually a few goals that from what I've seen that have gone in where he should be doing a lot, lot better. Um, yeah. You know, there's there's talk of him, you know, being in the England reckoning um, and whatnot. Like, all I'm saying with that is thank, I'm thankful we've got Dean Henderson because Hendo's probably going to take over that number one jersey um, at, at some point. Um, but God help us if Aaron Ramsdale's in with a shout because, yeah, I don't know if he's overrated or I just think he's damn right awful. Um, but there's a there's an argument for both there. Um, so Nelson, I might need your help then, goalkeeper wise, Edison, Mendy, or Ramsdale. Um, I am kind of leaning a little bit more towards Aaron Ramsdale. Um, okay. But... I think I think I I can reveal to you now that I have one person, also the same person on that list. So one out of three. Okay. Um, so the other two, I'm probably gonna do, probably gonna you know. Sp- persuade you to go okay them. okay just because I, yeah. I can have this guy on my, <laughs> on, my, on my team but um I think because you've been I've, I know you've recently talked about Edward Mendy and I think the fact that he's come in and his his run of games reminds me okay of a Mustafi that came to Arsenal and Arsenal <laughs> decided to go on a, a run of form and I think they were like 20 games mm. undefeated uh, he came in, stepped in. Everyone was like, okay, this is a new guy, a World Cup winner for Germany, but people forget that he played at right back, so that's not his number one spot. And then he came in, we went on a beaten run, and everyone thought, yep, we found our new defender to partner, Laurent Koscielny. Now we fast forward to 2021, and we all know the situation of Mustafi, who is, I wouldn't even say a scapegoat, rightly so, not even considered a baller. In the he's put, general consensus, put in the bin, isn't he, Mustafi? He's just much. put in the bin. So that's why I feel like Mendy. Now, obviously, we can't. It, 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 people might say it's harsh for me to compare Mendy and Mustafi. They're two different positions. But I think for the Chelsea fans to think that he's the new real deal without actually having his first full season, I think is a bit. I think that's a definitely he's overrated. So I'd lean more towards him. I think Ramsdale. I think. Yes, Henderson was in goal last season, and I think that kind of shows why Sheffield United are in a much different position than they were when Henderson was in goal for them. Um, but I think right now, I think it's not just him. I think the whole team as a whole, something weird is going on at the club. For them to have that high, but it does remind me of that Burnley season where they overachieved and nearly reached the European spots. But I'm a lean, for me personally, I'm a go for Edouard Mendy. But it's your team. You're going to... Uh... Do you know what? Do you know what? I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go with Ramsdale, 
just because I think okay. I've been a bit more I've been a bit more vocal on him um, in like I say over the past sort of eighteen months or so. Um, but no, Ed, Mendy and Edison were were definitely close um, and were certainly in my in my thinking. Um, hence why they're on the list. But yeah, I think Aaron Ramsdale just tops it um, for me. I think. With Mendy, I take your point on on Chelsea fans sort of saying he's their saviour, um, and I guess this is going to lead on nicely to to one of my players in my back four, um, is that he didn't have much really in the way to sort of replace, so expectations were really low. Exactly. Um, so it was almost that well, if any any goalkeeper that came in would take because he's better than you know in Chelsea's instance Kepper. Um, so yeah, but yeah, Ramsdale, Ramsdale's getting my shout. Cool. cool. So cool. Nelson, I'm guessing then from uh, you've teed it up quite nicely because you spoke about Ramsdale and Mendy, but you did say that one goalkeeper out of my three was on the list. So I'm guessing then that donning the gloves for your overrated Premier League eleven is Edison. Yes, it's going to be Edison. That silver, whatever his name is, the way Brazilians have their surname, whatever it is. Um, yeah, Edison's my keeper. I think you've really justified why he's an overrated keeper. I think when he first came, a lot of people were astonished as to, you know, I, I do rate his ball playing ability as a keeper, but obviously nowadays the game has changed where everyone needs that. But I think if you had to rank your goalkeepers right now in world football, would he? even being a top 10 like I don't think so um another person that I actually considered which would be a shock to many was Crystal Palace keeper Jack Butland now Jack Butland the reason I put him in there or considered him was simply because he was tipped for for a, a successful career now I wouldn't say his career isn't successful today he's in the Premier League he's playing for Crystal Palace he's their number one keeper but I think his potential was like, we're talking, I remember when he first came out of the Birmingham squad, played well and then even joined, obviously then he joined Stoke, um, went on loan to Barnsley a bit, went to Leeds well, even Derby as well. And then he played for Stoke in the Premier League and I think he pulled a string of good performances. And you're expecting, I think the expectation for him was to make that jump to even join a top six club. Uh, I'm looking now here on Transfer Market. I've got my data over here. Um, Transfer Market. He's, he's only made nine appearances for the England squad. I expected more than that from him. So I think he was, for me, he was highly overrated, especially when he first burst onto the scene. I don't know if you think that's a good kind of way to justify him. That's, like he's... that's an interesting one because I, I, I'm fully with, I think Butland's ceiling at one point was ridiculous. Like, yeah. I think, it. you know, he was definitely challenging for that England number one spot at the time of sort of him coming through and, and sort of establishing yeah. himself. I think what killed Jack Butland, um, and I guess this person has probably killed heart, like quite a few people's careers um, in his time, QPR fans will know about this as well, um, Mark Hughes. Um, uh. Because that season that Hughes, or Hughes' last season at Stoke especially, I think killed Jack Butland. Um, obviously Stoke ended up going down, Hughes getting the sack, um, you know, and but then in the championship, then Stoke obviously in there, 
expected to come back up. They finally got the man that they initially wanted when Hughes got sacked in Gary Rowett. Um, recruited. You would look at it on paper and go, they didn't recruit too bad. I think what they suffered, though, majorly was a massive hangover from the Premier League. But there was yeah. always talk of Butler moving. You, when you looked at that Stoke squad going down, yes, you had the likes of Shakiri, um, you had Muniesa, Boyan, uh, Martins Indy, Kevin Vimar, you know, players like that that were on decent money. But you always almost thought, like, right, yeah, you know, I was guilty of it myself at one point. You know, would you, would I have had Jack Butland as a Tottenham fan? Would I have had him in perhaps as a, as a goalkeeper to challenge Hugo Lloris? 100% at that point. Because I'd, I'd, and, yeah. I think if if that signing was made for a Premier League club, you you wouldn't really be too displeased because you no, knew no. that he had, you know, there was quality there. Um, it was probably just the case of him having a bad season. But then, you know, the more Stoke kind of fell away, his performances started getting questioned a lot more um, and whatnot. So then I think his career's just nosedived. I know he's, just, at, yeah. he's at Palace now. Um, you know, fighting for that for that jersey with Vicente Guaita. Um, exactly. So, so we've even got yeah. that situation. Yeah, um, I think I think he's probably just one of those players, in my view, that has burst onto the scene out of the ceiling. You know, the world was his oyster, everything like that, and then it's just he sort of plateaued for a little bit and then sort of nosedived um, pretty hard in the last sort of couple of years. So. Yeah, that's that's my view on on Jack Butland anyway. But um, he's he's yeah. still twenty seven years of age, so we know goalkeepers have that longevity in their careers, just like defenders. So he has an opportunity to revive it. So I'm not ruling that out. But he was someone that I just considered to a small extent. But I'm gonna stick with Edison. Edison's my goalkeeper to uh, for my squad. Decent. Decent so start. Move Decent forward. Start. Yeah, moving on then to. As I mentioned before, I'm going to play with a back four. Um, I've gone 4-3-3 once again. Um, could easily be a 4-2-3-1 this. Um, but the player who is getting my right back slot um, is actually a player from Tottenham. Um, it's not It's not the one that you're, you're thinking of, or I, I hope not anyway. It's Matt Doherty ah. at, at right back. Um, so when I said before about um, Chelsea signing Edward Mendy because brilliant, it's not Kepa. Tottenham had exactly the same situation and scenario when Doherty come in. It was like brilliant. We've signed a right back that's not Serge Aurier because Serge Aurier, I think any Spurs fan will tell you, was probably one of the first players to be shown the door at this transfer window. If if you know, our Spurs fans were all in charge at Tottenham. He'd be the first player that we'd, that we'd get rid of. Um, but, you know, Doherty showed promise at Wolves. And you think, OK, you know, he was bombing up and down that, that line, um, chipped in with a few goals and everything like that. Um, I'm yet to see it. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm yet to see it in a Spurs shirt. He's absolutely awful. He's been awful every time he has played. Um, I know that the perhaps different nature of styles here because Nuno, Nuno as we know at Wolves, is very possession based, you know, likes his teams to dominate the ball um, and will play, you know, through the pitch or distribute the ball out wide, but they'll play through, you know, they'll play through teams. Um, 
you know, played with back three a lot of the time when Doherty was there um, at, at Wolves. Um, obviously, coming into Tottenham, you know, he's playing with the back four um, a lot of the time. But still, I think when he's played, he's had that license to get forward. I think Jose's done quite well in terms of picking his games for him to play. Um, and usually, because Do- we know Doherty loves to bomb forward, would that Jose would often pick Ben Davis at left back um, to almost be that security. So then yeah. we still have the back three in there. But honestly, I don't know who <laughs> is in charge of transfers at Wolves, but I want to give him a medal, honestly, because, all right, 15 million in today's market's nothing. But to be able to, you know, shift a player that, you know, Wolves fans, I spoke to a couple of them when he left, they wasn't overly overly fussed that he left it was like oh he's left all right um they brought in nelson samedo who's uh definitely up for debate at the moment um (laughs) that's that's for sure but yeah i'm yet to see it from matt doherty in a in a spurs shirt i must admit um yeah i don't know where the kind of hype is with him you know his his crosses mate i'm i'm sorry he couldn't deliver a pizza um, I mean, he's been he's been awful. Like defensively, gets caught out so many times um, as well. And but having said that, Matt Doherty coming in at Tottenham has got the best out of Serge Aurier because Serge Aurier's turned his Tottenham career around pretty much. I know he got a lot of stick Aurier for giving away the penalty against Leicester, but. You know, even even a couple of my friends were telling me, you know, Aurier proving that he's not good enough once again. And it's like, well, hold on a minute. It's a bit harsh because he's had a very good season. I know Aurier didn't set his standards too high um, because, again, he's not he's not the greatest right back in the world. But, you know, I think and also to come back off the back of finding out the tragic news about his brother passing away and then to put in the level of performances that he has um, since since uh, since that incident. I think Aurier's turned, like I say, he's turned his Tottenham career around. And, you know, we're almost saying for the big games, it was like, no, we can't play Aurier. Like, we can't do it. Um, so even against United earlier on the season, we were thinking, oh, God, here we go. Serge Aurier's playing it right back. This will be fun. Um but now it's almost like no Serge sort of has to play because yeah. Doherty hasn't shown hasn't shown anything. Um, and I use, I get that you know for a player coming into a new dressing room, a new environment, especially you know where you've been somewhere for so long, you know it does take time to to settle in perhaps and adapt. But you know Doherty's played in the Premier League. Like he shouldn't really need too much time to adapt. The only thing he's kind of adapting his game is is choosing his moments when to bomb forward as opposed to just going um, and flying forward all the time. So yeah, Matt Doherty for me at at, at right back. Um, who's getting who's getting your nod in in one your first of your defenders? Um, it's an interesting one. Uh, I've gone for a back three. Okay. Uh, instead of a back four. Um, that was a good consideration for Michael Doherty. I don't know why he didn't come up in my initial list of operating players before I drafted my uh, starting 11. But he, this is somebody I believe hasn't fulfilled his time in the Premier League. 
um, and that's Michael Keane. Um, Michael Keane is someone that I've seen, and we, I think you even mentioned how, like, I think in your underrated XR, you put Ben Mee in your yeah. centre-back spot. Yes. And we mentioned how he's not considered because his centre-back partners have had, have been players that have essentially moved on to better clubs in his time at, at Burnley. And Michael Keane was one of them. Mm-hmm. Now, Michael Keane was a very good player at Burnley. Like, we know Burnley's defence was astute, like, solid, old-school, physical... And, you know, he's made the jump up to Everton. And I think he's, I think when he was at Burnley, he got a few England caps, England caps as a result of his performances. Um, I'm not too sure, but um, all I know is since he's made the jump to Everton, for somebody who's had that Premier League experience at Burnley and not be able to reproduce it at um, Everton, I think is quite disappointing. I think he was... I think, especially when he got the England call-up, I think that's when people started to consider him and start to rate him. But I think he's, I don't think, and this is what we talked about earlier, about either he's overrated or is just not a good player at all. Like, and that's a shame because he, like, it's similar to, like, my consideration for Jack Bunton in terms of his ceiling. Now, I'm not saying Michael Keane's ceiling was ridiculously, you know, we're talking God's heavens, but um, I just don't think he's, I don't think he's cut out. I think he's below standard. I think he's below standard. Um, that's why he made my squad. I don't think. I think he's a, Yeri Mina makes him look very good. I think me, me, his his centre back partner in Mina um, does. I think more of the gritty work. People may you know want to count on my opinion and kind of argue it, but I don't see enough in Michael Keane. Um, and I think he's lucky enough to actually get the move to Everton. Uh, that's my opinion, but. Um, that's somebody that I thought, and your face, I saw your face like, oh, okay, Michael Keynes. I don't know if you had any opinions on Keane himself. Well, well, listen, I am, I have been a big fan of Michael Keane. I really like him. Um, I guess he still probably, you know, had nightmares of the time where Will Grigg and Ben Akafobe uh, <laughs> saw him a new one at, at Stadium MK when MK Dons beat Man United 4-0. Um, yeah. And for anybody that wants to say that was a United reserve side, um, you tell me a reserve side that's got eight full internationals in it um, in the starting 11 against the League One side um, and, and, and whatnot. Um, yeah, saw him at Burnley. I thought he was fantastic. Um, I actually thought he would probably... When I was watching him at Burnley and the way that he played, I wouldn't say he was different to the centre-halves that they had, but he was one that was more comfortable in terms of bringing the ball out from the back. Yeah, um, yeah exactly. And, and in that build phase and, and starting those, those attacks. Um, I guess, you know, when he went to Everton, I think he struggled massively with the price tag and kind of living living up to it. Um, I know it's not his fault that he's gone for 30 million, um, but I was thinking at the time at Burnley, he's going to play a lot for England. Um, and obviously that hasn't been the case. Like I was, I was of the opinion that it would probably be him and John Stones um, yeah. as it, two England centre halves. Um, you know, but they they are two similar defenders in the fact that they both like to get on the ball. Um, they both like to start attacks. They're decent defensively um, in terms of those minimal requirements as a defender. Um, but yeah, I take. I, Kind of looking at it, Yeri Mina does do the the more head it kick it if, if you like, and that, that's a bit of a 
bit of a disservice to Yerry Mina there, but he does do a lot more of the gritty kind of stuff. Um, but then I think it's it's good that Everton, I guess, at the minute have found that balance um, of having, yeah. you know, Mina the more dominant one and Keane that you know, perhaps isn't as dominant. But then you got to think when he did go to Everton, he was playing alongside Ashley Williams, who was on the way down um, as a defender at that time. That's true. That's true. Um, good point. So, good point. yeah, I think he had... I think he had a lot of sort of ageing players in and around him when he first went. Um, like I say, Ashley Williams, I think Leighton Baines was playing left back. I don't think Seamus yeah. Coleman played too much at right back. So if you're playing alongside Cuco Martina, then, you know, you're bound to get exposed a few times. Um, so, yeah, but no, I'm a big fan of Michael Keane. But, um, yeah, interesting choice, Nelson. Interesting yeah, choice. Yeah, that's just my, yeah, my take. I think you'll like my next two, though, but we'll go back to your other centre-back pairing. OK, uh, I've got, I got two um, considerations for my, my next centre-half. Um, the first one is kind of... he. The nation fell in love with him um, at Russia at the World Cup. Uh, Slabhead himself, Harry Maguire. Um, <laughs> yeah, although thinking about it, um, I've then thrown this player in. Now, this latest player was a very late call-up, I must admit, to uh, the overrated Premier League eleven. Um, it's a player who this season has been completely frozen out. Um, you know, Elsa vibes on this one. Um, you know, Antonio Rudiger is Ooh. the second one. Um, I'm trying to weigh this one up because I'm trying to weigh up if, if Maguire is massively overrated or he is just what he is, which isn't that great. Um, you know, I think with Maguire, listen, he's had a fantastic rise, if you like, to the top. Um, yeah. You know, coming through from Sheffield United, getting a move to, to Hull. We went on loan to Wigan um, at one point. Then after that, obviously gets his move to, to Leicester after Hull were relegated, um, does well at Leicester and then gets his move to United. But the thing that gets me is when people say about Maguire being this leader and this presence. <laughs> nonsense. <laughs> Quote Roy Keane, nonsense. <laughs> right? I've never seen it. Never, I don't know if it's because he's just an imposing figure in the back line, but everybody talks about him being a leader and everything like that. I'm mate, he couldn't organize a bus queue, especially during COVID. <laughs> like, all right, he's, he brings the ball out from the back and, and stuff like that. But you know, I remember I think it was Jamie Redknapp saying to Van der Vaart about Maguire, saying that he's, yeah. he's this, he's that, and Van der Vaart, uh shooting Redknapp down, um, saying, listen, I could find, you know, I could find you 50 of those in that play Sunday morning in, in Holland. Um, so, and, you know, Van der Vaart's been very vocal on his views on, on Harry Maguire um, as well. I don't think he rates him too much either. Um, so, yeah, Maguire's in my, in my thoughts because, again, I don't sort of see the hype with him. I don't know if his performances recently... You know, when United have a wobble, he's the one of the first to get slated. Um, and, you know, oh, he's overrated. He ain't all this. He ain't all that. Um, I think there is a bit more to him than that. I don't think he's a shout or a talker, but I don't see him being an organiser either. So where's this leadership 
qualities coming from, um, which, you know, I know a lot of people have been going quiet on those lately. I wonder why. Um, as I said, they're probably never, probably never there in the first place. Um, so, yeah, Maguire. And with Rudiger, you know, there was talk of him going to Barcelona in the summer. I don't know where that come from. Gen- genuinely. It was either paper talk or, or something like that. Like, I've never really sort of seen it with him. Um, yeah. Like, with Rudiger. I always think that, you know, if I'm a tall, you know, sort of battle axe, like old school number nine centre forward, like an Andy Carroll or Diego Costa, Giroud, I'd love to play against Rudiger. Like, I wouldn't have a problem. Because um, I think you can sort of get at him and almost bully him a little bit. Um, but yeah, I don't, I don't sort of see what other people see with Rudiger. Um, and, you know, he's been completely frozen out once again by, uh, by Chelsea, um, this, this season. Um, I know they've brought in Thiago Silva, but, you know, if you're Antonio Rudiger experienced sort of senior defender, why are you not getting the minutes alongside Thiago Silva if Thiago Silva is your number one centre-half? Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's going to be difficult. Um, so Nels, give us some help, please. <laughs> I think that call up of Rudiger is a really good one because even with Chelsea making the top four last season and Lampard having to deal with the squad that he had to, I don't know how people even considered Rudiger to be a a good defender. I just don't think. It's hard to even put words to like to describe, even if he's a good defender or not. And like, don't forget, he's a full full German international as well. Like in that respect, so he he sometimes still gets the call up. Don't know why. I don't know what German managers are smoking, but like, I just don't think he's competent enough as a as a defender. Um, the only reason I'm not saying Mr. Slobed, you know, is because I've also considered him too. Okay. Like he, right. he's he's in he's he's in my team, and I don't want to go forth with what I want to say about him. But yeah, yeah. I think Rudiger's a really intriguing selection, just because, like you said, Thiago's now come in. Thiago Silva's come in and um, shunned him out of the starting eleven. Um, and you've seen, you could say obviously Chelsea, obviously not in a good run of form lately, but some of the unbeaten run you could credit was, you know, due to the, the centre-back pairing of Thiago Silva and Kurt Zuma, who somehow has just slowly been, you know, like he was another one that I was considering. But um, no, I think Rudiger's a good late call-up. To, yeah, to, yeah, I think I think as well, it's sort of leaning towards Rudiger because if he, like, he's almost, almost like, well, why did he get the late call-up? Yeah, thing, yeah, you yeah. Know? So, um, yeah, I'm happy for for Rudiger to to go into into my backline because, um, like I said, I've never really sort of seen it. I always thought like I think his kind of name goes before his ability, and it's almost yeah. like if you were to sign Antonio Rudiger, you're signing the name rather than the actual player. Um, if that makes if that makes any sense. So yeah, no, I'm happy to put Rudiger in. Um, so then Nelson second centre half for you out of your out of your back three um, who who have you gone for or who's in your, your line of thinking well I'm just going to go straight forward and say Harry Maguire like <laughs> I, I don't even have to consider it like 
Oh my goodness. I even know where to start. Whoever was in charge of United's dealings with the transfer of Harry Maguire, either they were held at gunpoint or I don't know, like they just decided they were going to, I don't know. Because I'm sure Leicester officials probably held them at gunpoint and said, yeah, you're giving us 80 million right now. You're getting nothing. And they thought, yeah, he's worth that much. Like, I don't get I, I just don't get it. I don't get it. Like you said, he's not really much of a leader. I mean, the fact his scandal that he had on holiday proves that. Like, like as much as, you know, we talk about footballers being a good role models, good professionals, for him to do that, I think it was right for Gareth South. And the thing is, I think they were even quite lenient on him because I think he was only sat out. He was only kicked out for one of the England qualifying games and then came straight back in. So I don't think, you know, oh my gosh, I can't even start. Because he, he's, he's, he's one half, because I've got, I've got another centre-back left. So he's one half of my Tweedledum. There's Tweedledee, oh. like Tweedledee. Like his, oh. yeah, his other mate is coming. So like... I'm just going to put Harry Maguire in. I'm going to leave it at that. Otherwise, I could go on. Straight, straight in, Harry Maguire. Right. So, now it's my second centre-half. Um, full England international, by the way. Um, struggling okay. to work this one out. Um, hence, probably why he's in this overrated 11. Um, and that is Tyrone Mings. Ah, Yes. Um, I've been quite vocal on on Tyrone Mings recently, or for quite a while, um, especially sort of since he moved to to Aston Villa. Um, so again, probably a good eighteen months. I think he's massively overrated. I think the only reason he's got to where he has on an international stage is because of his size, because he's a big lad, um, and the fact he's left footed. That's literally it. Um, yeah. If anybody wants to kind of give or wants me to give a moment that sums up Tyrone Mings as a centre-half, um, watch him against Palace. Um, and Wilfred Zaha has done an absolute job on him, basically, to get him sent off. Um, and everybody will be like, yeah, but you shouldn't really be promoting that. But sometimes as a pro and in professional football, you you play on certain things. Um so I think his second yellow in that game, especially Tyrone Means, was stupid. What is it like? Okay, Zaha's not the ball past him. Like, just accept that he's gone. Don't try and hold him or or whatever. Just, but I, the thing is as well, on the pitch, like where that incident happened in and around the centre circle, Zaha's not really going anywhere. He's not going anywhere, yeah. He's not. What like seriously, what was the what was the point? Um so yeah, like I say, I think Tyrone Mings has sort of got to where he he is, not because of his ability, because he is a decent, you know, player. Obviously he came to prominence at Ipswich as a left back, um, moved to Bournemouth, um, struggled with an injury, um, pretty much straight away that kept him out for ages. Um, then came back into the side and played centre-half. I think he had a nightmare on his debut, I think, against Hull, um, where I think Bournemouth lost 4-0 when Tyrone Mings got a, an own goal in that game. I remember it. He had, a, had an absolute horror show that day. Um, then, obviously, OK, went to Villa, rejuvenated their backline in the Championship. But, yeah, since coming to the Premier League, I think he's been... I think 
you know, as a centre forward, you can get at him, um, or as a forward, you can get at him. Um, I don't think he's necessarily quick. Um, on, you know, I think he gets caught out a little bit on the turn um, as well, which is probably the reason why he brought down Zaha on the halfway line. But yeah, I think Tyro Mings for me, hundred percent overrated. Um, he's just he's just big and left-footed, and it's like, oh, we'll have him because, you know, with the way England play. Sometimes they play with the back three, so you sort of need that balance of a left-footed centre-half. Um, and I think that's sort of how he's crept in to to England reckoning. Um, so, yeah, I think if I'm a young English centre-half now, and if I'm, especially if I'm left-footed, I'm going to be like, yeah, I'm in, because my only, you know, the only competition that I've got is Tyro Mings, and I'd probably back myself to to get ahead of, to yeah, get ahead yeah. of him. So, yeah, Tyro Mings for me. Cool, cool. Straight in with that. Straight in. I remember you, yeah. did, you mentioned him as well. And this is funny because I put him in my underrated excite from last week's yeah. episode. Yeah. Oh, sorry, two weeks ago. So, um, so cool. Uh, so I got to my last centre back to fill in my back three. Yeah. I mentioned Tweedle Dumb being Harry Maguire. Yes. So I've got Tweedle D, or you could say Dumb and Dumber, in Victor Lindelof. Like, I just don't think <laughs> that, like, you're meant to compliment your centre-back. And these two compliment themselves in the fact that they're bad. Like, they are just bad. And United, I don't know how they're second in ten because this season is definitely an anomaly. Like, there's no way that... If United win the league, then you know it's a weird... Like, we're in weird times. Like, I don't know what his, what his strengths are as a defender. He's just as bad as Harry. Like, the only competent centre-back at United I give credit to is probably Eric Bailly but um like at one point I even like question like should I just put my whole back three of United defenders because like United's form we know they're second in the table but the manner in which they lose their games especially yes I think it's the manner in which they lose their games like you could we could obviously go back you being a Spurs fan that 6-1 demolition is a perfect example of them just being not even switched off just not being interested in defending at all like being cut sliced open and we're talking I remember that Spurs goal uh post pandemic I think Stevie Burnwine he yes. ran past Maguire I think Lindelof was his partner and I just I just don't remember like how there was not there was no cover for like so I think that they, they both complement each other and just being bad. So I've put them in my centre-back to fill in my centre-back. So my back three consists of Michael Keane, Victor Lindelof and Harry Maguire. So I don't know if you're going to have any arguments with me not putting him in there, but I think you agree. Man, that he... I'm agreeing with you because Lindelof was a very, very late consideration for myself. And okay. so was Eric Bailly. Um ah. Everybody, I know he's had a couple of good games lately, Bailly, and but United fans thinking he's a saviour. Like, come on, do me a favour. Um, he's just he's just unreliable as well. He is so rash. Like he's he's up there with David Luiz in terms of how rash he is as a centre half, and that takes Agreed. some doing because David Luiz is, well, as you know, being an <laughs> Arsenal fan, he's just he's in a world of his own. Um, yeah. So, yeah, again, I don't sort of see it with, with Bailly either. Um, and, you know, you mentioned that 6-1. Um, yeah, Lindelof, again, all over the place. Um, and, yeah, I just, yeah, I think that back three is definitely 
definitely overrated. Michael Keane is probably the only one that I'm sort of questioning. Yeah, but that's, yeah. that's just just me. Um, so, but yeah, definitely the other two. Um, the other two, yeah, hundred percent overrated for for sure. I'm with you on that. Um, so Nelson, the the left back then for my back four for this overrated oh. eleven. Um, been a bit of a naughty boy recently. Um, yeah. You know, breaking COVID. Uh, COVID guidelines and protocols. Um, so for anybody out there, please make sure you do stick to the rules. Um, you know, the quicker or the more you do it, obviously the quicker we hopefully get back to some sense of, of normality um, and, and hopefully beat this uh, this disease. Um, it's, you know, he, this particular player um, loves big, big bum Latinas um, as well. It's, uh, it's probably the biggest, the biggest, um, cheerleader I think the Premier League has ever seen in Benjamin Mendy <laughs> this guy this this guy uh, what what I don't know what Pep saw for Tiki Bugerestein to sanction a 50 million pound deal to sign Benjamin Mendy but he is awful like straight up awful <laughs> so over like like I say probably one of the biggest cheerleaders the Premier League's ever seen um, gets turned inside out on a regular basis like on a regular basis like yeah. Adama Traore must lick his lips if he's up against Benjamin Mendy because he just knows he's got him on toast um, like every time um, but yeah I just don't see it like, everybody talks about oh yeah he's great he can get up and down the pitch um, and, and things like that so, what about his jo- what about his job, which is to actually defend? He can't even do that. No, um, he, can't. he can't. You know, he can't do that well. Um, yeah, he's great going forward, but you know, ultimately as a defender, first and foremost, your job is to is to defend. Um, so I think that's why Wan Bissaka has almost got to to where he is for his defensive strengths. But everybody slates yeah. him because he's not that great going forward. But I'd rather my fullback be able to defend first and then go and attack um then you know always being in that final third and not being able to get back um but yeah Mendy for me 100% overrated don't (laughs) see it never really saw it with him um so yeah Benjamin Mendy for me cool cool I think that your back line is pretty nice there in terms of overratedness so (laughs) Yeah, 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 he. I can't even start on him. Like, I initially thought that was a very good move that Guardiola made when he instant when he initially signed him, because I think we all talk about one of the most underrated sides in the last decade was that Monaco side that went mm. to the semi-finals of Champions League. We're we're talking ballers, and obviously they also bought Bernardo Silva, who we know. Um, but yeah, Mendy, he was. I wouldn't say unorthodox, but he was different in terms of. Now, then again, Wes, I can't lie. The way you, you've justified it makes me think if he was ever even a good fullback in the first place. Because I think that Monaco side was so... I think that Monaco side was just full of attack and flair. And he contributed to that, especially with his whipping crosses from, from the wing. I think his delivery is very good. So, And obviously he brings that athleticism to that left-back role. But... Thinking about that Monaco side, I'm, I'm I'm interested to see how much they even conceded as a back line. But yeah, um, 
I thought initially it was a good signing that City signed him. But then he had that injury, which I think kept him out for that entire season they went on to win 100 points. And he actually started the season very well. And you think, and I remember me, because I remember working at City, that people were talking about how good he was and how highly they rated him. Um, and they've never had a left back like him before at, the, at their club. So they were expecting really good things, especially when he was coming back. But since he's come back, wow, 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 wow. Like, like you said, biggest cheerleader, um, a fan of the Ochi Bob, you know, you know, yes. the the, yes. the old good old dog. But yeah, I think that's a good, I think you've, you've, that's a nice way to end your back line with Benjamin Mendy. I don't think he's done very well at his time at City. He's won so many medals and has been able to do that at City while sitting, like, sitting eating a pizza at home. I don't know how he's done it. Like it's it's crazy, and, he, so. and even on an international level as well. Like the guys won the World Cup, he barely played. Like because yeah, barely Luca, played. Because Lucas Hernandez, who by trade is a centre half, yeah, got, got hoisted out at left back ahead of did, Benjamin Mendy, like for France. Ridiculous. And did the job. Ridiculous. Um. So yeah, that's my back four: Doherty, Rudiger, Mings, and Mendy. Cool. Um. So, Nelson, you might as well go on to your wing-backs before yeah. I move into my midfield three. Um, cool. So who's, who's on the right-hand side to begin with? I'll start with my right wing-back. I have no hesitation to put this person in because I'm an Arsenal fan. But at the same time, I just think this person has been very overrated. And we're talking by Arsenal fans. Like, Arsenal fans have overrated him for a long time. So we're not going on the basis of the general population overrating him. Arsenal fans have put this guy up there as the next heir to Lauren. Like, I don't even know. Like, like not, not even the next heir to Lauren. I just thought we've overrated him too much. I think you, you know I'm going with this. And it's Ainsley Maitland-Niles. I think Maitland-Niles is very overrated as uh, a, a player. I think he's just average... Premier League player like and I wasn't even surprised when Wolves came in for him because I felt as though you know he wasn't getting into the squad he kept breaking through having a good run of form for like 10-15 games and then he would suddenly be dropped and would suddenly wouldn't be able to pick up form same happened when Arteta stepped in when Arteta stepped in Arteta didn't really consider him as a first choice fullback, we all know he deployed. He, he plays as a centre mid by trade. We know he's a centre mid, and he's come out in an interview to say that, you know, I'm a centre mid. I don't really enjoy playing fullback, and I feel sorry for him to an extent in terms of the fact that you know we've had to use him on those wings as a, as a fullback, and he hasn't actually had the opportunity to showcase his you know, ability in centre mid. Everyone, all Arsenal fans always hold to that one game. We lost to United, but apparently he had Paul Pogba in his pocket for the duration of 90 minutes. <laughs> like, I'll never forget that game. Everyone just said, hey, see, mate, no, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I think he's overrated, Wes. I don't think he... I think one of his traits that people say is a strength is his composure on the ball. But I've also told many people that that composure is also his weakness because his composure makes him too laid back. And I think it makes him really sluggish in terms of trying to zip the ball quick, especially the style of football that the manager wants to play. And I think him just being laid back, I think he's too laid back. I think he's on a high too much. And I just think, yeah, I just think sometimes he's in his own wavelength, his own area code, wherever it is. 
and um, he's all right as a defender. I'm just gonna leave it all right. Like he's <laughs> like go, going forward in terms of him being in that right back role, he hasn't. He can't produce good crosses as well. I've noticed his crossing ability has been very bad. Like, we're talking getting into the final third. If you've got a young boy like Bukayo Saka, who's only 19, and his decision-making is world... Okay, let me not go world-class, but it's up there. because And he's still 19, and there's still room for improvement. Ainsley's now 23 years old. I think us over us rating him saying that he's still a young prospect. He's 23 years old. Like, there's... Once you get over 21, I'm sorry, you're not considered young prospect. Like, just get out. Like, just get out. Like, so I put him as my right wing back. I don't think you have any complaints, even though I know you're a Spurs fan. But yeah, I just think he's overrated. Very overrated. Yeah, interesting one. Um, obviously, as you mentioned there, by trade, a central midfield player, but has had to do a job, um, you know, out, out and full back, wing back um, sort of roles. Um I guess his versatility is a plus, but then I think you get players that have versatility, but then it gets used too much. Yeah. Um, I look back to Phil Jones at Man United. When he first went in, it was, you know, he came as a centre half or a central midfield player, at, you know, from Blackburn, but it was almost that he plugs a gap. So it's like, yeah. we, need a, we need a right back. Oh, Phil Jones will play there. Need a centre half today, right? Or we got Phil Jones. Need a holding midfielder, Phil Jones. Centre mid, Phil Jones can do that. So I think, you know, Maitland Niles sort of coming out and saying that he wants to play centre mid. Okay, I can see what he's trying to do in sense of like, right, I know where I see my future. His downside is he's never been established enough for me in that Arsenal squad, in that Arsenal team to come out and be like, right, this is where I want to play now. Um, yeah, you know, we know Theo Walcott did something similar, but Walcott again similarly was in and out of the Arsenal side. Um, when he'd done it, he had a spell up top through the middle, and then you know, as quickly as that happened, he was hoisted back out on the right again. Theo Walcott, um, I know in recent times Eric Dyer's had that sort of decision to make, you know, am I center half, am I holding midfielder? Dyer's come out and said that he's a cent- he sees himself as a center back. Um, you know, but Dyer's sort of been in that Tottenham squad and in that Tottenham yeah. squad that, you know, he's established enough that he can do that. I think timing has helped Eric Dyer as well in the sense that, you know, we perhaps needed a centre-half and, you know, him coming out and saying that he sees himself as a centre-back probably saved Tottenham a few quid. Um, so, yeah, Maitland-Niles, always an interesting one with me. Do I see him as an England player? Probably not. Like, I always look at international know. footballers like... You know, it should pinnacle. be the best. Yeah, the pinnacle. Yeah. Um, and do I see, do I see Maitland Niles as one of those types of players? No, probably a good club, club player. Um, yeah. But yeah, he seems to be one of those that fills gaps. Um, he's a bit of a plug in the sense that he'll fill a gap for you in the squad. I guess you do need those players, but if they are, if you are going to have one of those, they've got to be, you know, consistent in the sense that they'll be at least a seven out of ten for yeah. you in there. Um, right now, so your right wing back. Uh, yeah. Moving on to the left, who who have you gone for? Um, oh, this one is gonna irk a few people, I think, because he still has room for improvement. I think he still has age on his side. Let me just quickly check how old he is. Yeah, he has 
he has age on he has definitely has age on his side to change my opinion. But right now, I think he's highly overrated. And that's Callum Hudson Odoi. Oh people are gonna be like, why would you do that to your brother? Like, I don't care. Like <laughs> I think when he burst onto the scene, and yes, I think as the as English spectators, we have a uh I don't know how to describe it. We have a way of hyping up many of our youngsters that come through and thinking that the next big thing. Mm-hmm. But you look at Callum Hudson Odoi, I think he burst onto the scene as a Chelsea winger. He's versatile in the sense that he could play, you know, either on the left or on the right. We know his natural ability and what he can do as a winger, but I mean, he hasn't been able to establish himself just like a Bukayo Saka has done now at Arsenal. Like mm-hmm. you, you could like um he was even though he came on against Newcastle in the FA Cup win on the weekend, initially Saka was seen as someone to rest, an important player to rest at the age of 19 years. Callum is 20, and I don't think Lampard sees him as someone who can do it on a consistent basis, and I think that's why he's been in and out of the squad. If you look at his English, he's, I think right now I can see he's got, he made his debut for England in 2019 March. He's only got three caps. If you look at his English compatriots who also play on a wing who are of similar age, you've got Jaden Sancho, who did a ridiculous season last year and he's now reaping the rewards of that. So I think if you like for him, I, I just don't think he's applied himself mentally to, to really like seize on his potential because we know his potential is ridiculous. That's why I say age is on his side. But right now, I think when he burst into the scene, Chelsea players overrated Chelsea fans overrated him, I personally think. Because I remember when he dirtied up. Hector Bellerin and I was like okay cool cool and he came on made a few good performances for the Chelsea squad and everyone said okay you've got to start this young kid right now the Chelsea side needs a bit of youth and a bit of urgency a bit of creativity he did that but I think it's the fact that he hasn't been able to establish himself um for me right now I was expecting well this is me based on my expectations I was thinking already a starter for Chelsea and we're talking somebody who would have made maybe 15 England caps by now. He's only got three. But I, I expected a lot from him um, based on the hype and how players overrated him. You've even got Christian Pulisic now who's joined the club and he's now had to... That's basically him fighting for, you know, that winger spot. You've got Hakim Ziyech, Timo Werner that can play on the wing. So where does he actually, like, you know, fit in that Chelsea squad? Like, it's, it's, it's worrying. But like I said, he's got age on his side. So I'll give him the benefit of that on that front. But right now, I think... He's overrated. People are gonna like be like, "This guy's stupid," but I feel like I'm, I'm sticking with Hudson Odoi for now. I want to hear your thoughts on it because I know that I, I probably shocked you with that choice, like in terms of yeah, you know, it's a massive shock. Um, it, listening to your rationale, um, bursting onto the scene, interesting. Cause <laughs> I don't, I don't See? think, I don't think that's actually happened. <laughs> um, I'm just going off the Chelsea fans. Yeah, like, like, I think, what, I think, I remember this sort of year where you would class that as his breakthrough year in the sense that he made a few appearances. I remember one against Spurs in the League Cup semi-final at Wembley. Um, He did have Danny Rose on, on, on toast pretty much that whole evening. Um, So, yeah. But then, you know, as you said, it's like, okay, he's done it in that game. But is that game one where you go, he's burst onto the scene? Probably not. Um, you know, he needed to sort of come in on a consistent basis. 
um, and start playing a bit more. I get that perhaps under Sarri, it wasn't the best time at, at Chelsea, but I think he come out of that with some form of credit. Um, I know obviously in that January, there, his contract was up, a lot of talk of him going to buy Munich, even putting a transfer request, all of that. Yeah, um, that. you know, but listen, he got his his big contract that he wanted. But it was like I remember that sort of saga, and I'm thinking, hold on a minute, you you what eighteen? You played 18. you played five minutes for Chelsea, and all of a sudden you won hundred grand a week. Like it was almost that for me. It. it was like, who are you to be demanding that kind of thing? Exactly. Um, so yeah, I, I don't know. The more I think about it, the more I guess that I'm leaning to it. Like, yeah, you're you're right, you're right, you you're right. Um, but yeah, I I do think he's a decent player. I think there's an England player potentially there, as you said, yeah. ages on his side. But he's got a lot of competition in in his way. He's got Sancho, he's got Rashford that plays out wide. Raheem Sterling is still fairly young. Um, you know, you've got a couple of Greenwood. other. You've got Greenwood. You've got Dwight McNeil, who I mentioned in our underrated uh, 11. Yeah, exactly. Um, you know, you've got the lad at, at um, Bayern, Jamal. Um, oh, yeah. Um, well, Salia. Yeah, 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 he's doing bits at the minute. So Saka, yeah, you've got people. Yeah. So, you know, his pathway is kind of blocked. So he might have to look at his, part, you know, look at the grandparents. Um, see if Go to Ghana. Dual, yeah, that dual nationality uh, and get and get onto that pretty sharpish, I think, Hudson Adoy. Um, so yeah, that's an interesting one. Like you say, a definite shock um, to the system. Definite shock to the system. Um, right then, my first central midfield player. Okay. I've got two candidates for this. Okay. Um, the first one um, is Rodri at Manchester City, um, and the second one is Declan Rice. Oh, um, I did not expect Declan Rice. I okay, did not. Let, so let me let me explain. Uh, Rodri was supposed to come in and be this ne- like the next holding midfielder for Manchester City, like the successor yes. to Fernandinho. No chance, I'm not having it. I'm not <laughs> having it. Um, he doesn't sense danger enough, Rodri. Um, I remember the the Spurs City game last year, the two nil uh, Bergwijn yeah. debut, and Dombele's just sent him for a hot dog. Um, sent like fully just but the thing was and Dombele done it from a standing position and I was just there like oh my god and then all of a sudden you know I think Spurs had a chance and, and we were in um, but yeah I don't see it with Rodri he's quite an imposing figure like he's a big lad um, but yeah. I don't think I don't think he uses it anywhere near enough um, and I think you know I don't think it was any coincidence. I know City had a lot of defensive injuries last year and Fernandinho was at centre-half. But at the same time, you could see why City were getting overrun in midfield a lot last season. Um, You know, like I say, didn't spot danger, didn't plug those gaps anywhere near enough, didn't have that nasty streak, that nasty side in him like Fernandinho does because Fernandinho can get away with about 10 tackles before he even gets spoken to by a referee. Um, so yeah, that's why Rodri's in there. Um, I don't think his. I th- listen, when you're in sit, when you're playing at a side like City, you're going to have the ball. But I don't think he makes enough telling passes. Um, I think he just sort of goes sideways and backwards a lot. Um, doesn't really do a lot with the ball. 
um, and those kind of things. So I don't think he uses the ball well enough for me to warrant even potentially being a linchpin or a mainstay in that Manchester City side. Yeah. Um, and again, I think this season, um, you know, is there a coincidence that if Rodri's played, a lot of the time they've had to play Fernandinho next to him? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, just exploring just that. Weird. Um, yeah. Now, Declan Rice. Now, this was the one that shocked you. Probably going to shock a lot of fans. Um, and I'm not just putting him in here because he's a West Ham player and I'm a Tottenham fan. But the West Ham team, right, as a whole, it's, n- it's all right. Like, it's not the greatest by any stretch of the imagination. Um, and for me, Declan Rice screams best of a bad bunch. Ah, uh, I see. But like, okay, yeah, he looks good at West Ham, but then he hasn't got much around him at West Ham, so he could probably look good. I know it can yeah, be. Yeah, yeah, I know yeah. it can be a task at times to be the main man in a struggling side. I get that, and I get that. But at the same time, like, sort of everything kind of. I know everything goes through him, so it, he gets a lot more time, touches on the ball. He can, you know, distribute it. But then I think if I if I watch him sometimes, I think his distribution's awful. Like he, he couldn't switch a light on, let alone a, a football forty yards. You know what I mean, um, sometimes. And then I watch him for England as well, and I'm there like, what is this? I think I think Rice is. I wouldn't say lucky, but he's got something on his side, and that is that England don't have many defensive holding midfielders um, or ball winning midfielders. Um, yeah. So he kind of feels a gap in that respect. Um, so it'll be interesting to see in the next few years when you have potentially more of them coming through, because I think England are starting to produce more of them with the way that the game's going. Be interesting to see how he sort of deals with it, how, you know, it'd be interesting to see the dynamic around that. Um, I know he's being linked with Chelsea. Um Obviously, there's a link there. Obviously, he used to play for them and everything like that. So, yeah, um, obviously, he'll end up with with one of his best mates there as well. Um, but, yeah, I think for Declan Rice, for me, it just screams like a bit of a, a best of a bad bunch. Um, and I think he's massively overhyped by West Ham fans, like massively, massively overhyped by West Ham fans. Like, they... You know, they think the sun shines out of his backside and all this nonsense. When actually, when actually he could, I know he's probably he's had more caps than than Mark Noble. Um, you know, he's never been capped by England um, at, at senior Don't level. Know how. There's a reason for that. Um, so yeah, but I, if things don't necessarily go to plan, I could see Declan Rice almost having a similar path career-wise to Mark Noble like I'm not uh, saying he's like a B-Tech version of Mark Noble um, but there's a lot a lot of similarities between the two um, and again that's probably why they'd never they very rarely played together um, and not only that but Mark Noble's not that great anyway um, so yeah I think that's why Rice is in there because like I say he just sort of screams that best of a bad bunch um, you know I think there's better than him certainly in the in the league 
Um, and I think because he's English and kind of fills a hole in our in the dynamic of the England team, the England setup. Um, yeah. I think that's sort of why he's got to where where he has really. But yeah, again, I don't necessarily see the hype with with Declan Rice. I hear that. That's interesting. And I'm leaning towards him now because I don't know why I didn't even consider him in the first place. But I agree with the fact that, you know, he's been overhyped a lot. Um, and, yeah, he's not, uh, as a defensive midfielder, you're not expecting anything flashy. But there's, I don't think there's anything that, yeah, I think you've justified it pretty well. Um, Roger as well, you justified him very good. Um, like you said, the fact that you've had you've got to play Fernandinho alongside him is a question mark, um, a bit sus. But um, I mean, I'm going to leave it down to you. It's an interesting one. I mean, it's you got. I'm gonna I'm gonna go with Rodri. I'm gonna cool. go with Rodri. Um, yeah, because I think yeah, I think there's more question marks I think over Rodri than there is over Declan Rice. But again, I think Rice is overhyped a lot by West Ham fans and the media because he's English and he plugs a gap but I'm going to lean towards Rodri because I think like I say there's a load there's a lot more question marks over him yeah. than, than Declan Rice cool cool well, so, we'll Nels who's in your in one of your midfield positions um, I don't want to say one of a midfield three because it might be a midfield two depending on how you're you're lining up for yeah, so, the top end of the pitch. I've got I've got my wing back, so I'm I've gone for a midfield two. Okay. Um, my first oh I don't wanna uh, there's a lot of people that are gonna be shot by this one. Oh I'm gonna go for it. Go. I think you might have had him because I remember I, I had Roger as well as one of my selections. Okay. Um but this guy I have right now, Paul Labille Pogba. <laughs> okay, disclaimer, I didn't have him. Um just gonna throw you that out. You didn't have him. No, no, he's he's, he's just I wouldn't even call him overrated to me. I just think he's awful. So that's why I didn't have him. Okay, okay, fair enough, fair enough. I think I, I think yeah. I think because United fans are still holding on to that talent that he has. I remember watching a podcast um uh called Filthy Fellas. Which has the likes of a poet. I don't know if you a poet. Um, Specs Gonzalez. Um, there's a number of them that you know watch their football um, as well, and they had to rank the top ten best midfielders in the league. So they, Kevin De Bruyne was number one, but okay. based on pure ability alone, Paul Pogba was second. And I was like, what? Like, why are you just basing it on pure talent alone? Like, okay, fair enough. We know his ability and what his ceiling could be but I'm sorry he's absolutely he's flopped at United he's flopped and I was really hyped for him moving to United and we're talking overrated overhyped to the point where my man done a video with none other than Big Mike Stormzy the hype was there everyone <laughs> thought you know like this was gonna be the next big thing like he left did his thing at Juve um, you can even argue that he was overrated at Juve because that midfield, people are forgetting that midfield three he was a part of, mm. Perlo, Marquisio, like he was on the left, so he was able to do all the attacking duties, but he hasn't fulfilled his price tag since he's joined United. Um, people still hold on 
to the fact of his ability. I think just look past it now. He's not produced. He's not reproduced. You could argue that one good season he potentially had was the season that Mourinho was there and he had Zlatan in the team. Like, they seem to work well in tandem together. Um, we know one of his best qualities, which you like to say, is, you know, put a ball on the plate for a player like him. His long ball distribution, he's able to produce that. He done it against you lot when you played at Wembley, Marcus Rashford. That yeah. swerve on the... He's capable of producing that. We know that, but I'm sorry. He's been overrated for too long in terms of like, oh, he can do this. He can do this. He can do that. He can do that. Like, he's not been able to do on a consistent basis for United since he's joined. Um, so, if you're shocked, I don't care. He's overrated. <laughs> Paul Pogba is in my squad. And one of my brothers as well is a big Paul Pogba fan. So, I put him in there. And he argued that his situation is delicate just because, you know, he may have not been used in his best position on the left of that midfield three. But I don't care. You're here to come. You got paid. Do your team. You didn't do it. You're over it. I'm sorry. All right. So he's in my squad. Paul Pogba. First um, set of first set of mid. Yeah, I can't, I can't really argue with that. Um, I think one of the big things um, is that, you know, you mentioned we know his talent. Well, well, do we? Because we've not. I've, I mean, I've not. I've not seen it like legit. I can think of two good balls that he's played, and they were both against Tottenham. But that's literally like it. Like one over for Marcus Rashford, and then one um, in our game. Uh, I think one of our first games back for, for Project Restart. But I don't see other than that. I don't know what else he kind of does. And I think one of the big points that gets spoken about a lot is whenever his name gets mentioned with regards to United or a manager or anything like that, it's can they get the best out of Paul Pogba? Not can right. Paul Pogba get the best out of himself or get the best out of, you know, for the team. It's always can a manager get the best out of Paul Pogba? Well, if that's if that's the case, I mean, you've you've had it similarly with Meza Ozil. You know, eventually there's got to be some responsibility on the player to, to actually turn up and deliver. I don't think Pogba's done that at all. Um yeah, it wasn't even like close for me because I just don't see it. Like, like I said, I think I just think he's awful. Um, you know, it's it's now with now at United, it's can Pogba and Bruno Fernandez play together? Well, I'm sorry, but good players can play together. They like they find a way. Um, you know, I think it's quite interesting now that Ole is using Paul Pogba as almost like a left winger, um, but tucking in a lot. Um, because you, you mentioned there about playing on the left in a three sort of midfield, Ole's experimented with that, hasn't worked. So, yeah, I, I, I agree with you in the sense that we haven't seen anything from Paul Pogba in his time at United, it's been a disaster. Um, and for me, if if I'm a United fan and he wants to go, yeah, fine, see you later. We'll get, I think they'll get someone else in who's probably perhaps it's slightly younger, but a bit more hungrier uh, yeah. and actually wants to be at Man United. So yeah, I think for me, it would almost, if he went, it would be a good riddance kind of thing. Cause I think he's been a problem ever since he turned up. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I think, I don't know if it was a, a thing for Mourinho, but as soon as he could, he got in the Man Matic to kind of supplement Pogba. You know, so like I say, it's always been about the managers that United have had. Can they get the best out of Pogba? Um, whereas how about Pogba getting the best out of himself and doing the best for, for Man United? Um, 100%. So, yeah, I'm, 
I'm kind of ha- I'm well. I'm more than happy for you to have uh, Paul Pogba in. <laughs> that is that is for sure. That is for cool. Sure. Who who have you got as your other midfielder then? Uh, uh, next up is um, I got two options here. One is a, a United teammate of of Paul Pogba's in Fred. Yeah. Um, and the other one is Nabi Keita. <gasps> yes, he. Okay, um, I'll let you go. I'll let you go through. Go on, go on. So Fred um, came with this big reputation. Um, don't know what that was, to be honest. Um, <laughs> yeah, not seen it at all. Don't know what type of midfielder he is. Is he a playmaker? No, he can. He, yeah. he couldn't make a drink, let alone a, a bit of play. Do you know what I mean? Um, <laughs> You know, is he a a ball winning midfielder? Well, if he is, he's com- he's awful because he's so rash in a tackle. It's crazy. Um, yeah. You know, if anybody wants proof of that, just look at the PSG game in the Champions League. Um, you know, this season, um, is he box to box? Not really. Um, no. Yeah, I just don't see it. Again, I just don't see it with Fred. So, but again, I think he had a spell where United fans kind of gripped onto it and were like, oh my God, he's, he's, he's this, he's this, he's this. He's done, he's doing his job, essentially. Like, I don't know if uh, fans kind of get hyped over like players doing their jobs, essentially. Um, but yeah, I've just not seen it with Fred. I think he gets pulled out of position way too easily um, as, as well. And yeah, I just think he's massively sort of overrated. Again, I could probably pick a good handful of players in the in the league that are, that are better than than Fred um so that's why he's in there yeah. um Nabi Keita now this one's interesting because he was in my 11 early doors um but having sort of thought about it I'm there like I've actually seen Nabi Keita like he comes through like Santa I think once a year um and that's <laughs> that's literally it. Like he's got like the Eric Lamella virus or something. Do you know what I mean? Comes through like for a little spell and then you don't see him. <laughs> um, but again, come with a massive reputation of being, you know, this creative style of midfielder. Da, 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 da. Yet to see it. Um, again, yet to see it. I know he's had a lot of injuries, so that's probably why I'm yet to see it. But um, yeah. you know, I think in that Liverpool setup as well, like. Is he a Henderson or Fabinho type of midfield player? No. Um, is he a Wijnaldum type of midfield player? No. Um, they've got Tiago. They've brought Tiago in for a reason. Obviously, they don't trust Naby Cater enough. Um, Curtis Jones has broke through. Um, again, sort of similar type of player, but you know, Curtis Jones is uh, is getting in ahead of Naby Cater at the minute, but. You know, Liverpool fans will tell you that he still needs time to adjust. Well, hurry up, because do you know what I mean? Some of us are waiting here um, to yeah, kind yeah, of see yeah. see what the hype's all about. Um, but yeah, just again, yet to see it with with Naby Keita really. Um, yeah, like I say, came through as supposed to be a similar style of player to Thiago, but I don't think he is at all. I don't think he could even last ninety minutes or or whatever. So yeah, Naby Keita's in there in there for me. Interesting one. Interesting one. Oh, yeah. Kay came with that reputation. He hasn't delivered. I think he was a good player at Leipzig. Nothing better than good. Just a good player at Leipzig. But 
like you said, he hasn't been able to reproduce. And you, all those people you named that have been brought in or come up from the academy like Curtis Jones, I think his his time is running out at the, at, at the club. Um, you could even put Minamino in there in that centre mid and he could probably do a better job. And he Minamino was brought as a backup for Bobby, Bobby for me. So, um, yeah, it, it's looking, I think it's time that Liverpool's up, in my opinion. You can even have Ox- Oxlade-Chamberlain in there, who does yeah. a better shift than Naby Keita. So, it seems like Klopp hasn't been able, you could argue like it's the same with Paul Pogba, like has Klopp got the best out of Keita? But then you've got to look at Kate and he hasn't taken the responsibility to justify his price tag. So um, I'm leaning more towards Kate. Who was the other generation you mentioned? Uh, it was Fred. Was it was it another one that you mentioned? It was in that Fred. Field, or was, was it just Kate? Kate and Fred um, from Man United. Sorry, Nelson, we lost you for a, for a minute there. Um, yeah, so the other player was was Fred um, in there along, you know, it was either Fred or, or Naby Keita. Um, I, I say go for Keita, in my opinion, but it's, it's your team. Um, it is. Um, so I'm going to go with, I'm going to go with Fred just cool. because I've, like I said, I've not seen too much of Naby Keita to really sort of, past judgment but I know that he's been hyped up a lot and yet I'm just struggling to think like what what for but I've seen enough of Fred to know that he's awful and he's overrated um <laughs> so yeah I'm just gonna pick Fred ahead of of Naby uh Kater, but that cool. one was certainly certainly a close one um who then is in your second central midfield slot Okay, I'm gonna leave Cater out because he was actually on my subs bench. Because <laughs> I think he's he was actually on my bench. The fact that I put him on a sub bench means I don't even trust him <laughs> to lead my overrated exercise. So I'm gonna put <laughs> I'm gonna put somebody who I think it's another surprise selection that I think many people might consider why I chose him. But just like I put Callum Hudson Doy in, I think this person's time at Chelsea. I don't think he's been able to fulfil his career and he's had two stints at other London clubs and hasn't, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't, he's, I don't know how, we, personally, I don't know how he's got 10 England caps, but that's Ruben Loftus-Cheek. Like, I'm sorry, Loftus-Cheek for me, he's 24, like with Callum Hudson-Odoi, he had age on his side. Now, you can argue the same thing, yes, with Ruben Loftus-Cheek, but like again, like he made a string of, I'd say, good performances, not amazing performances. But I know Chelsea, like this is on the basis of Chelsea fans overrating him a lot, saying that yeah, he's going to slot into that midfield and become the next—I wouldn't say next heir, but just you know, be there for like um, for years to come, like the core group of young players. But he hasn't been able to do that. For the, the fact that Chelsea have had to send him out twice on loan, I think proves that Lampard doesn't see him in his future plans. Um, again, Tenningham caps. I don't know. You tell me, Wes. You tell me how. Like, I don't know. Like, I don't know. Like, I don't know. I'm actually baffled as to why he's 
I think he's championship quality. That's my opinion. I think he's championship oh. quality. Oh, that's he hasn't proven enough to me. Everyone else will have opinions, but he hasn't proven yeah. enough to me. Like, I don't think he's proven enough to justify why he should play for England. Like, like if Fulham go down, I'm sorry, go down with them. Like, get your career back on track. Like, come back up whenever you're ready. Like, you can still make it, but I'm sorry, I have I have no ratings for Ruben Loftus Cheek, and it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a sticky one because. I like the brother. He's a good guy. He's a good guy, but I just can't see him. I can't see him going, getting back into that Chelsea squad. I can't. He's. I feel like he, his time is slim. I think Lampard's essentially going to sign. But the crazy thing is, if you look at Chelsea's midfield, you could argue that he could make it in there with the fact that Jorginho isn't trusted as much. Kovacic is on a slight run of form. I mean, not slight run of form, like going, you know, up and down every now and then. And you could argue that this is one of Kante's worst ever seasons. So how is he not in the squad? Like, you tell, like, and Chelsea fans were overrating him. Like, I don't know. I don't know, man. But he is my other centre-back pairing to go with Pogba as well. Like, tall big lads, you know, could do a bit of physical work in there for my team. But, you know... Uh, again, like, I've got some people might think I've had a howler, but I'm sticking with this team, man. I'm sticking with this with this four. Go on. Um, oh, there's a few things I know you Ruben, want to say. Go on, Ruben Loftus Cheek. Um, I am with you. I like Ruben Loftus Cheek. Right. Um, I think his loan spell at Palace. I thought he was brilliant. I thought he was absolutely excellent, and he was probably what twenty twenty one. You're going in there, yeah, yeah, struggling yeah. struggle inside, um, and you're asked to play in a position that you've probably never played in before because he was playing out on the wing. Now, Loftus-Cheek yeah. strikes me as a player that sort of growing up has played centrally a lot. So whether that be conventional number four, eight, or a number 10, um, I still think he has the capability probably to be an eight or a 10. Um, but yeah, when you kind of... I know he's had injuries... And yeah, stuff like that, that like big injuries. But when you look at it now, like you said, he's 24 now. Like, come on, um, you know, almost sort your life out basically. <laughs> um, but yeah, I do, I do like Loftus Cheek. I think, like I say, his loan spell at Palace, I thought he was fantastic. Um, you know, I actually even said to to my dad at the time, you know, I would love him in a Spurs shirt. Um, I think, imagine yeah, Moussa Dembele was the greatest of all time, was on, his, was on his way out and then you replace him with Ruben Loftus-Cheek. Like, I think he's got so much ability. Like, he can do so much. It's just a case of, is he going to fulfil it? Exactly. That, that's the question mark. Um, that's the and question because, mark. And... Yeah, because of yeah. his age, 24, you're kind of thinking, hmm... It, it, it could be a case of what could have been Ruben Loftus-Cheek. And that's a shame because I think, like I say, um, he's got exactly. so much talent um, and a player that I really, really like. But I just think it will be a case of what could have been. Um, yeah, which exactly. that's a shame. Like, I don't want to stress to people out there, I'm not saying that he's a dead footballer. He's, no. a, he's, a, he's a very good footballer, but I just think he's been overrated in the sense that 
you know, with his ability, there's been a ceiling. And right now, at 24 years of age, I think he should be cementing himself in that Chelsea midfield. But if you're getting beat by the like of an aging Jorginho, a Kovacic who's maybe homesick, you never know. You know, he's like you. And then you got a Kante who was, who's having a World Cup, World Cup winner, having one of his worst seasons, and you're not able to get into that midfield. Then I don't know. Like, like we talked about players taking on responsibility and trying to, you know, get themselves out there. I don't think he's done that right now. His time at Chelsea. And I'm worried that, you know, like you said, like, it could be a case of what could have been. He's just happy with his status of being a Chelsea player and will have his fair share of loans. Just like Michi Bashuai. I think Bashuai is so comfortable at Chelsea right now. Because he's he, still in. He's he is chilling. His status, like people will be like, yeah, I play for Chelsea. But then the girl goes to find on the transfer market. Oh, no, I think you're Palace, mate. Like, there's a bit of a confusion. Right? <laughs> like, so. I think right now, I'm worried that I don't want Loftus-Cheek to head in that direction, but right now, it's that's where it seems like he's heading. Yeah. That's why I put him in my squad in terms of just being overrated and not fulfilling. But, yeah, that feels like my front... And that was a tough one for the midfield because I didn't want to put him in there. My other options were Rodri, Ceballos uh, as an Arsenal fan, and Naby Keita. So, like, I think Ceballos now, I'm just thinking about it, it's just not even overrated. It's just, yeah, he's just not a good footballer. But... Um, cool. Uh, I'm gonna stick with that midfield. I guess you got another position to fill in. I've got one more, one more yeah. uh, central midfielder. It's actually a teammate um, of Ruben Loftus Cheek, a Chelsea teammate. That is. Um, now, this particular player, I must admit, gets a load, a load of abuse on social media. Yeah. Um, you know, been dubbed Gareth Southgate's love child and all of this. Um, so I've probably given it away there, but it is Mason Mount. Um, oh, he! Oh, I forgot about him. Yeah, he was close. Gone. Yeah, I, you, I, like just, I just do not see it. I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. I'll, you know, in some players, you kind of want to see it. You know, want to see young English players coming through and doing well. Um, but yeah, Mason Mount. I think. Yeah, I just don't see it. I think you know when you look at that sort of eight tennis sort of position that creative midfielder type England have got a lot of of players there you know you've got Madison for me really really good footballer um Deli Alley um I know he's not having his the best of times at the minute but you know he's still he's still got it Deli um you know you've got Jack Grealish certing baller oh, oh. Like, and I've had my reservations on Jack for a little while. Um, I've even come on record and, and said that Grealish should have probably picked Ireland over England because he would be uh, a god in Ireland um, for the things like his ability. Like he would have literally carried the Ireland national team. Um, so I've had my reservations on Grealish, but he's coming good. So credit where credit is due. But then you've got, you know, Phil Foden, who's just, top draw like Phil Foden is top draw Mason Mount yeah. is bottom draw um, <laughs> like he's he but Mason Mount just strikes me yeah, as that 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 kind of boy next door kind of thing where you know if you're if 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 you had a daughter for example they brought Mason Mount home you're not you'd be like well give him a chance you know you're not really yeah. gonna you know he, he seems very he seems like a nice 
lad, if that makes sense. But yeah, I yeah. think like as a as a footballer, I just think he's massively overrated. Um, you know, people like obviously with my Tottenham connections and being from Milton Keynes, obviously I'm always going to stick up for my guy Delhi. But you know, people have the audacity, the audacity to put these two in the same bracket. Like, are oh, you dumb? are you dumb yeah I'm just not having it with Mason Mount like I said just don't just don't see sort of what he does um yeah that's that's sort of it I I can't really put it any any more than that like but he gets he's got to where he's got to like in his career um but again is he a box-to-box kind of midfielder is he a goal-scoring midfielder is he a creative number 10 I don't know. I know he's bloody annoying because he keeps popping up in these little, you know, in these England squads and playing ahead of your Grealishes and your Madisons and Foden's and players yeah. like that. And I'm just there like, how, like, why? What, what does, what do these people see in him that perhaps I don't, I don't see? Um, you know, people talk about work rate and off the ball stuff and things like that. Well, for me, that as a footballer, that's kind of like a given that you work hard and, you do certain things off the ball. Um, but yeah, Mason Mount, just don't see it. Um, so yeah, I think he's massively, massively overrated. Probably cool. could be, could be the captain of ah. of this of this team. That's yeah, that's uh, that's that for me. So yeah, my midfield three, I've gone with Rodri, Fred, and Mason Mount. Mason Mount. Cool. It's not a bad midfield three. I'm trying to think if it would beat my four midfield, but you know, they're overrated anyway, so who's, <laughs> we'll see. Um, right then, Nels, one of cool. your uh, one of I'm your attackers. My front three. Yeah, hit me with it. Yeah, I'm going to start front three. I'm going to go on the right. This person was already the first name on the team sheet, and it hurts to say this because I'm an Arsenal fan, but I think we're going with where we're going, and that's Nicolas Pepe. He's overrated. Nicholas Pepe is overrated. Right now, he's on the verge of being a flop. It is sad in this day and age where, you know, we you know we, we look at the price tag and that's it. That's all we judge him on. You know, consider time. You know, the fact that he's moved into a new country, new language, language barriers, um, different league, the different pace. Everyone's put that out the window. But at the end of the day, we bought him for £72 million. And that means you expect, just like with Pogba, 90, nearly £90 million, you expect that you know, production in um, goal contributions, whether it's goals and assists. I think when he initially signed for us, I think he was second in all top five leagues for goal contributions behind the one and only Messi, which we consider the GOAT. Obviously for you, that's Dembele. But, you know, yeah. um, uh, what's it called? Like, he was second in goal contributions, which was... But then obviously you like I mentioned the league. The league is Liga is different to the Premier League. And there have been a couple of Liga players that have come over to the Premier League and they've I'm trying to think of one for an example, but it's not helping my case. They've taken the, the league by storm, but he hasn't reproduced his form at Lille, uh, here at Arsenal. He's shown flashes of brilliance, and I think people have seen that. He scored some ridiculous goals, like for Arsenal, like we're talking curling one in the top bins. We're talking that right for he scored in Europa League. And I've been there to watch everything. And uh, I was lucky enough to work at Arsenal for a period of time. And, like, Arsenal fans seemed to rise every time he had the ball to his feet. Just because he was the only player in a really dull Arsenal side at the time when Arteta came in that would 
try and create something out of nothing with his dribbling ability. But that's all you could mention regarding, that's it, dribbling. You're not banging in goals, mate. I'm sorry. I'm an Arsenal fan. I want him to bang in goals, but he's not scored. He's not, re- I just think it's the lack of reproduction of form that he's been able, not been able to do. And another fact, the fact that we bought for 72 million and the person who was responsible for that transfer has now been sacked by the club because they went into investigation of why we play, paid £72 million pounds no. in the first place shows that his, like we overrated him. Don't forget, we chose Zaha. We chose him over Zaha. I would have taken Zaha any day because Zaha's Premier League proven. And I think Zaha wanted that jump in his career. But we chose Pepe. And I think we play Palace at some point this week. So he may shut me up and score a goal or two. I don't know, but... He hasn't produced his form, man. And it's, it hurts me to say this because it's n- less than two seasons and I'm already saying this, but I, I, I don't think I have the time to be patient because you've got Saka who's coming and doing bits already. You've got Reese Nelson who does better cameo appearances than him, you know. Um, you've also got Gabriel Martinelli who fans have been calling for him to come back. You see on Twitter, everyone's saying, Martinelli's back, our saviour, like, we'll take that with our £72 million signing. Yeah. I'm sorry, you're done for. You're out. You're out of the club, bro. I'm sorry. You're out. But that's him. I've gone right wing. I don't know your... I don't think you have any thoughts just because I think you agree with me. But Yeah, yeah, I do. Um, I do agree because he was, he, was yeah, he was on my list as well. Um, so, yeah, luckily... I have somebody else, um, and yeah, this particular player, I seriously do not see it, and I do not get it at all. Mikhail Antonio. <laughs> this guy is one of the driest footballers, one of the driest Donnies, yeah, going, like, real talk, he's awful like he's so overrated like he is he is if you want to know right i know i said earlier about declan rice being the best of a bad bunch right yep. at west ham Mikel antonio is literally west Ham's savior like <laughs> go and open that door and let that sink in like ridiculous i went and saw him a few years ago in his Nottingham forest days um against huddersfield and he was horrific like he was awful now Forrest lost that game I believe like 2-3-0 that day and it was an awful day um, for, for Forrest like they didn't turn up at all but Mikel Antonio was certainly yeah. like he summed up that performance that's how bad it was um, I'm not putting him in here because he scored the first goal from a visiting player at the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium and that contributed to West Ham being the first team to win at the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. Not putting him in there for that at all. Just think he's massively overrated. Um, obviously, he'd come from semi-pro, but I half wish he'd stayed there because I think that's his level. Um, do you know what I mean? I think that's like... I, if, if somebody said to me, like, right, where's Antonio kind of come from and you go semi-pro, you kind of go, oh, right, OK. Like, it, it's justifiable because... Yeah, he's overrated. I'm just trying to think if he's overrated now or just absolutely awful. But, you know, West Ham fans seem to seem to love him. Um, and again, I just can't I just can't see it um, with him. So, yeah, that's why um, 
Mikel Antonio is in there is in there for me because um, like I said I don't particularly see it but he's West Ham saviour somehow I don't know if he's just one of these annoying footballers that you just think you are so bad like you are so bad right but then he just turns yeah, yeah. up in these moments and you kind of go oh okay well Antonio scored or he's had a, a decent game today but yeah Antonio for me I just think he's massively overrated um, semi-pro footballer he probably should have stayed there because um, I don't think he's much cop. So, yeah, Mikel Antonio um, for me. Cool. Um, cool. So that's your striker in the middle. And that's my right winger. That's my right winger. Oh, your right winger. Yeah, cool. put him out on right. the right because that's sort of where he where he came through. Um, so yeah. Nelson, who's then next on in your front line in your front three? I'm gonna go with my striker. I've got a surprise for you on my left wing, but. I'm going to go with my striker and this brother has just been overrated from the start. Price tag, natural ability is meant to be ridiculous. Best one-on-one player. I've heard his his fan base say to take people on one-on-one. He's devastating. We all remember the commentary. We thought Martin Tyler had an orgasm at one point where he scored his debut goal against Liverpool. <gasps> like, oh, oh, yes! Like, you know who I'm talking about. <laughs> I'm going with Anthony Marshall, the king of overrated. He's my captain, by the way, for my squad. He's, <laughs> he's, he's, he's my captain because this brother, and I know I've got some friends who are United fans, and if they watch this later on, they're not going to like my opinion, but he is, I think, 24. I think maybe even 25. He hasn't produced his, you know, since he's come in and... I think from the moment, he, I think his price tag has made him like into this high-profile player. Um, and I think it's got to his head. Um, and especially, yeah, I think his first season was okay. At that young age, you expect that kind of production at 18 years of age, not to bang over 20 goals a season. He was able to do, I think, at least 15. I think he's been hit. I think at one point, I argued that he was hit with confidence when Zlatan came and took the number nine from him. Mm-hmm. Um, and he was number 11. I think that must have hurt his confidence big time because you're seen as the next big thing. Zlatan comes in, and as Zlatan always says, you know, you know, it wasn't Zlatan that asked for you the number nine. United just gave it to him because that's Zlatan's aura, like, you know. <laughs> but that I think I think that definitely took a hit of confidence. But he's now had an opportunity since Zlatan's left to, you know, you know, put himself back into the squad, establish himself as their number nine. Lukaku came, did, went, bounced. Luke, then he had a shift on the wing. Like, I just don't know. He, unfortunately, he seems like another case of Theo Walcott. Is he a winger? Can he play up top? Is he on the right wing? Like, I just don't see it. I don't. And I think he's recently been reinstated back into the French squad. Don't know how. But I think it was probably on the back of his season. I think it's been his, I think last season was the best goal scoring return in the Premier League. I think he's got 18. 19. I think that's probably why Didier Deschamps called him up. But bro, he just hasn't been able to reproduce that form. I think Man United fans are still holding on to that goal he scored against Liverpool and saying that that's that's who he is. Look at this baller. Look at this. I'm sorry. He's not a baller. He's not a baller. He's not, he, it's not that he's not a baller. He's got ability. I think he's got ability on the ball. He, he can do that. But I think he's very inconsistent. He's unreliable to play as your number nine or even on the wing to produce consistent performances. I think that's why they're, they're just be, being unreliable. I think you can't have that with 
that price tag that they brought you in for. He hasn't developed in terms of his career. Um, we talk about his searing pace, which I think he has. I don't think he's used that to affect, to run in behind defenders um, as well, like to develop his game and not just to be the person that, he loves his ball to feet, but he can do so much more than that, I think, by using his, you know, his off the ball stuff, but he hasn't. So he's my captain. Martin Tyler, thank you for that wonderful commentary, but I'm going to leave it at that. Oh, no. Oh, no. Um, another one who was in my considerations as well, um, yeah. Anthony Martial. I think there was a point where his only shot on target this season was hitting Eric Lamella in the penalty area <laughs> in the 6-1. Um, but, yeah, completely agree with you. Um, again, don't, don't get the hype on, on Martial. I don't think he's good enough to be a number nine but then I don't think he would get in United's team anywhere else because I don't think he'd play wide left because I think Rashford's kind of made that that slot his own. But yeah, again, yeah. everybody talks about his his pace. You know, I'm yet to yet to see it. Um, do take your point about the confidence potentially being being hit when Zlatan came in, took the number nine um, off of him and and whatnot. But um, you know, as a as a professional footballer, you kind of just have to deal with that sort of thing and, and come back and 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 stuff like that. Like, I don't think it's that big of a deal. Um, yeah. So, but yeah, for me, Martial massively, massively overrated. I think, as you said, people hang on to probably a couple, two things. It's the goal against Liverpool, as you mentioned, but then also his one of his goals where I think it's dubbed like one of the coldest photos or something on Twitter. I'm not too sure if it's against Newcastle or a game in the Europa League. I think it might be Newcastle where you've got like all the bodies on the floor and he's just kind of like there with his deadpan face that he always produces. Yes, uh, the he... deadpan face. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm with you on, on Martial. Um, so I'll let you have Martial because Ooh. I have another, I have another centre forward. Um, one that has been capped by England a couple of times. Um, and I don't know how either. Um, listen, he, this particular player had a very good loan spell in the championship um, and it prompted a Premier League club to then take him on loan um, as, as well. And that's Tammy Abraham. Um, oh, man like Tammy. So overrated. Cool. So over. Like how, how, okay. So, as I mentioned, great loan spell in the championship, Bristol City at 18 years of age. Smashed it, right? He then went to the Premier League with Swansea, had an indifferent season, difficult time, I think, at the club. A few different managers were in at that particular period as well, I believe. Um, then he then gets uh, another loan move um, and then all of a sudden he ends up at Villa um, as well um, on loan. And you're there going, OK, right, what sort of next? I think he had like a six-month spell and then he sort of had almost like an 18-month loan at Aston Villa um, in, in across sort of... It wasn't done as an 18-month loan. It was sort of a six-month and then a 12-month. Um, yeah. But you're kind of there going, OK, potentially a bit of a step back division-wise, but, you know, you've proven in the championship, so can you do it again? All right, you've, you, you did score quite a few goals at Villa. But he's coming at Chelsea. I know it's different playing for in the Championship for Aston Villa compared to being in the Premier League and being the number nine at Chelsea. But like 
everybody's going on like, right, Tammy Abraham give, finally given his chance in the Premier League. Can he score goals? Mate, Olivier Giroud is Chelsea's top goal scorer still. Like, Giroud keeps... Like, there's always rumours about him leaving and, and whatnot. Like, for me, Olivier Giroud should just be Chelsea's main centre-forward. But how are you going to let a guy that keeps getting rumoured to leave every five minutes, like, just trump you in terms of the goal-scoring charts? Like... I think yeah. his touch, oh my goodness, absolute pinball. <laughs> it cannons off him after time. Like his, his second touch is a is a tackle most of the time. Um so yeah, I've just not just not seen the hype with, with Tammy at all. Yeah. Um yeah, just don't get it. Um, you know, he for a big lad, he doesn't impose himself as a centre forward. Um I don't think his hold up play is too great, which then leaves where he's either got to be a poacher or one that plays on the shoulder. I don't think he plays on the shoulder too well. And I don't no. think he's a fox-in-the-box sort of poacher. Um, a bit like a Javier Hernandez or a Jermaine, Def- Jermaine Defoe or, you know, somebody like that. So then you're sort of, well, what kind of striker is he? Well, he's overrated. Yeah. That's one. Um, so, yeah, that's why Tammy's got the nod um, in there for me. Cool. Cool. He was something that I did put, um, but I thought Marshall just was the king. Uh, you just couldn't top him, man. Like, my guy was just there. So I've put him there. Um, okay, so I'm going to fill out my front three, the rest of my front three. Yeah. I've got, after hearing your pick, I'm now on a, I'm in a dilemma between two people. Dilemma like Lenny and Kelly. Let's go. Exactly. So, my f- for the left wing to complete my front three, I've gone for two people. I'm considering Ferran Torres of Man City and um, your guy, Stevie Bernard. Oh, damn. Okay. Now, this is a t- tough one just because I think Ferran Torres has come in at City. He's banned goals, but I haven't seen anything else. I don't... Th- I think... He was brought in to replace, obviously, Sane left mm-hmm. and went to Bayern. Not sure how City... I don't know. He was one of the most important key members in that squad. There's back-to-back title winning squads. I'm not sure how they sold a player of his quality. I get it. They brought Ferran Torres. Um, La Liga, compared to the Premier League, is obviously less fast. You know, it's not as fast... Um, but like, I'm giving him the benefit of the doubt. Um, I'm giving him, I'm giving Ferran Torres the benefit of the doubt just because, um, you know, it's his first full season and his goals, I feel like his goals have papered the cracks. I don't even know if that's how you say the, the, the phrase, but... Papered over um, the cracks, yeah. Nels, we um, did lose you uh, yeah. momentarily, so you may have to kind of just brush over again sort of what you were saying. No worries. We did lose you for a sec. Um, no, I was just saying that Ferran Torres, I think his goals have papered over the cracks in some of his games. Um, I think he hasn't been able to produce like the way Phil Foden has. And I think they're both of the same age. And Phil Foden's coming in there and just establishing like he's telling Pep, he's screaming at Pep, start me every week. That game against Chelsea, he was scintillating um, uh, a few a few days ago. I think he for him it's it's similar to like Gabriel Jesus. I'm not saying Gabriel Jesus is overrated, but when Gabriel Jesus first joined the club, I think City fans were on the hype that 
he could be the heir to grow and a grower just shut him up like no not today rude boy <laughs> and I just think that Jesus now he gets his goals in the the low quality I say the low quality games against you know opposition that aren't of a high standard same with Ferran Torres like he scored we expected City to win their Champions League group I think he scored in every match day for them uh, but the quality of opposition compared to City is ridiculous. like you'd expect him to bag so I think he hasn't proven it for me yet. You're Stephen Byrne, my kid. Like, he, I think it's because of, okay, com, I, I don't want to compare him to Pepe, but it's just the fact that the way I see it is like Pepe's just brought this and Byrne has just brought this. Like, there's not been any, both of them, that's why I've put both of them in tandem, like in terms of left wing and right wing, because yes, we know that. You know, you guys want to think for 27 million, was it? I think it was about 27. Yeah, so, um, you know, not even half of what you paid for Pepe. Exactly. But I just think as well, I think, I don't know if Tottenham fans were expecting a lot from him. I don't think they were. But I was because I saw him at PSV and I saw he was an absolute baller. So I thought, you know, why not Why not produce that form that you've done at PSV over um, here um, at Tottenham? But, you know, we all remember the first goal. Don't get me wrong, it was a brilliant first goal to introduce yourself. But I haven't seen much since then. I'm being honest. I haven't seen much since then. I think I'm looking at his stats now. I've, I had his stats ready from the moment we started this podcast. I was like, I need to pull this up. Like, three goals, it says here. 20, he scored last season. Mm-hmm. It says here he hasn't scored a single Premier League goal this year. I may be wrong. Transfer mm-hmm. market may be wrong. But I feel like with the way you guys are playing... I feel like there you can argue that it's not benefiting him the system you're playing with Mourinho there. I can like I'm not dumb enough to you know dismiss that. I feel like there's been an element of you know him just being shunned out on the right, just working hard defensively, and you know it's running through Kane and Son pretty much. Because I'm sure he'd love to see Kane on the ball and be like, you know what, I'm gonna make a run in behind and do that. But I feel like Mourinho has told him a certain, I think he's, he's given him a role to do and I think he just has to, he's just got to follow that at the moment that's why it's a sticky one between him and Ferran Torres because he came in obviously last January didn't he Steve Stephen mm. so he hasn't had a lot to prove I think but I just don't think he's been able to reproduce I don't know I sound like I'm waffling now I'm gonna just stop there because <sighs> I'm gonna let you pick this one I feel like you're gonna oh. lean towards Torres this because is, this is difficult because obviously you think you actually think this is hard. This is hard because, um, as you say, Ferran Torres has come in. I think he could could turn out to be an absolute bargain. Yeah. Um, Twenty million, or however you know, in and around that figure. Um, you got to think he's come in and still a fairly young player, having to adjust to you know new league language, dodgy weather because it Manchester weather's not like usual. <laughs> Um, as we can both testify to. Um, yeah. But, you know, he's, he's been hoisted out of position a lot. And I think he's mm-hmm. done all right. I wouldn't say he's done amazing. Um, you know, I don't think he's taken to playing that false nine like a duck to water necessarily. But I think he's done all right in there. Um, listen, it doesn't, it, it's clear, I think, that it doesn't suit him. But he's sort of doing a job for the team. Um, yeah. and taking the team's needs over here, his own. And I think that can also be said for Steve Bergman. Um, I 
I'm like you. When he signed from PSV, I was buzzing because I was like, yes, he is a baller. Like he's going to give us something else, something different. Like, okay, potential backup for maybe Son on that left-hand yeah. side because I still think that's probably Bergwin's best position coming in off yeah, the left and yeah. being devastating that way because I think, like, for me, we had, like, Lucas Moore and Lamella that played on the right. So, you know, um, but, yeah, I think the shift that he does, again, for for the team, I think goes unnoticed. But having said that, he does need to produce more in terms of goals and assists. Um, like I think his last his last goal I think was against United um, for our first goal of Project Restart. I think his last assist, unless somebody wants to quote me on this um, and let us know, um, was against Newcastle for one of Harry Kane's goals. Um, yeah. But yeah, obviously I'd like to see more from Bergwin, but I think the job that he's doing, he's kind of, excuse me, sacrificing his ability going forward for the good of the team by his defensive right. work. So this one is, you've, you're killing me here because do I be harsh on Farran Torres because he's just come over or do I be harsh on Bergwin because, you know, he's kind of sacrificing himself for the likes of Kane and Son to sort of flourish. But I've got to back my boy, I suppose. I've got to back Stevie. So, <laughs> yeah. Um, difficult cool. one, but the only reason Ferran Torres, I can't not back um, Steve. I don't think he's overrated as such, but um, there's a. I think he's in. I think there's a few players that are in that danger zone. Yeah, I, I Loftus, would say. I think Loftus Cheek is in that danger zone. I think Bergwin is getting close to it because he's not producing enough. So, yeah. but listen, there's plenty of other players I think that could have. That could have got got in there. Um, that's true. That's true. So, um, but yeah, Ferran Torres. <laughs> cool, Ferran Torres. Right. Ferran Torres is my pick. Um, I've actually got two that you haven't mentioned, so this is quite uh, quite good. Um, the first one came to prominence in the Premier League um, a good few years ago. Now, um, as a, as an unknown, um, turned out to be a bargain for for the club that he signed for. And then they ended up selling him for a wham profit, like absolute wedge. Um, and that is Richarlison. Oh. Um, and then the second Richarlison. one. The second one is a, 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 play, a player, Nelson, that you know well. Um, a player that comes with a lot um but necessarily doesn't always deliver a lot. Um, current captain of Arsenal, oh, Pierre you're joking. Emery, Aubameyang. Oh okay, gosh. so we both sucked each other. Jesus. So, oh so Richarlison. Let me start on Richarlison. All right. Just let um, you know, I'm back, my boy. Let's <laughs> <laughs> phone it out there. Um, right, Richarlison. As I said, came as an unknown to the Premier League um, and proved to be a hit at Watford um, because he then got his big money move to Everton to rejoin Marco Silva. Um, but I've watched Richarlison and I would also put Zaha in this bracket whereby 
the player, these two are players that would produce in certain games, but not in others. And mm. so they would produce against teams in the lower end of the Premier League table and games that you would expect, you know, for Richarlison, especially at Everton or Zaha at Palace, you'd expect them to win those sorts of games, sort of teams in and around them. But then when it comes to, you know, the bigger games where you want your your main players to step up um, and perform, I'm yet to, I'm yet to see it from Richarlison. Um, And I think there was a spell where he was at Everton, playing through the middle, did not suit him one iota. Um, I think you sort of have to play him off the left um, in order to get the best out of him. But there was, you know, massive talk of him going to Barcelona for like 100 million. Again, don't know where (laughs) that came from because I don't think he's produced it enough on a consistent basis over the period of time he's been in the Premier League. Now, he's been in the Premier League a good couple of years now. So I think, listen, I think he's got a good manager now with Ancelotti, one of the best, been there, seen it, done it, got the T-shirt, you know, he's won everything pretty much in the game. But I think, again, there's still question marks over um, consistency with Richarlison. He's still very much up and down um, with his performance levels. Um, And I get that sometimes players have inconsistencies, but then if you look at the job that between Ancelotti and, and Big Dunk at Everton, have done with Dominic Calvert-Lewin, yeah. you know, how, you know, you can sort of see then how much work they are, you know, willing to invest in their players. Um, and obviously sure. Calvert-Lewin is now, you know, he's up there and he's in with England reckoning, um, you know, when that, when those squads come round. Um, so yeah, Richarlison, that's sort of why, again, sort of on a consistent basis, I get the same sort of vibes with Zaha, um, you know, does it against, you know, the teams you expect Palace to sort of do well and pick up a result against. But when it comes up to those big games, I don't see it with him either. Um, So, yeah, and Aubameyang, this will be fun. Um, (laughs) Yeah, um, Pierre, I don't think he wants to come out here no more. Um, Massively, massively overhyped by your lot. how how you man want to come to the table and say he's better than better than Kane? No chance. No chance. Whoa. Not a chance. Not having it. Um, and I think as well, like Abamyang, Abamyang suits your fan base. He suits your fan base down to a ground because he's got you know he's got all the flash, he's got all the bling, all the fancy cars. You know he's he's got the He's got a little bit of the, the, the slang going on as well. Um, and you lot just love it. But, you know, his job is to produce on the pitch. Now, OK, you can say that he scores and has scored a lot of goals for Arsenal since he arrived. And his goal record since joining Arsenal is up there. Do not get me wrong. But in those crucial moments, those absolutely critical go. moments... He, I know we're taking the, he chokes, taking it back. He chokes on all, on literally, and all those big moments where you've needed him to step up. You know, Olympiacos Europa League misses a sitter. Brighton at home to get you close to getting into the top four misses a sitter. 
penalty at Wembley misses us against Tottenham misses um you know and actually I remember um Tottenham on Twitter posting the video of that and it was quite cheeky because it was the same day as his birthday so big up Tottenham's uh, admin uh for that <laughs> um I must say um so yeah that's why Aubameyang kind of doesn't do it for me like you know, take this season into account as well. Since he secured the ting, since he signed the ting, where's he gone? Missing, missing. Yeah, he secured the three hundred and fifty grand a week. There's a lesson to be learned here from Arsenal. It's just do not give your players three hundred and fifty grand a week because they go missing. It's as simple as that. Um, yeah, gone missing like mad. Um, he, I think as well, it's embarrassing for Arsenal that he won your goal of the month for scoring a penalty against Man United. Like that's embarrassing in itself. Um, it is. And, no defense on that. And I think as well, again, this is more from an Arsenal thing. I feel, but to give somebody of like thirty-one a massive contract, I just do not see the point in it like you're almost trying to build your team around somebody who's only got two two years left like what's what's the point um yeah I just don't I just don't kind of see it like as well I know he sort of started through the middle but now he's have he's played a lot on the left which is why he's in consideration for my left wing spot um right Right, 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 right. I know, I know it's kind of that Henry similarity where drift out to the left, cut inside, curl and shoot um, type of thing. Obviously, Henry had that on lock. Um, I think Aubameyang, we know the, we know the password um, to get in, basically. Um, so, yeah, Aubameyang, I just, don't, I just don't see it. I think, he, like I say, he's massively overhyped by you lot. Um, he could have one good game against West Brom and, and you lot will be you know, off your rockers, but, you know, get him in a big game, get him in a massive game where it kind of means something and you need him to, to produce. And, you know, he's, he's gone missing. Interesting. Cause as much as I want to defend my boy, I've had my doubts over the contract extension that he signed in the summer. I think the reason why Arsenal potentially gave it to him is the fact that obviously on the back of that season that he produced in terms of just scoring goals, um, I feel like he somewhat redeemed himself as a big game player, obviously, in the FA Cup final. We needed him. He backed two goals. He did it in the semi-final, backed another two against City, which I thought we were going to be hammered by. Let's not forget, like, we were looking absolutely dreadful. Not sure how we were able to beat, I think, the... I don't, I don't know. But he bagged four goals on our route to winning the FA Cup. Now, I could argue, I could argue that in there in terms of big game play, but in this time at Arsenal, yes, you could... For me, as an Arsenal fan, the big game player that I would see was Lacazette. Lacazette, for me, was the big game player. He, mm-hmm. he scored against Chelsea, Spurs, United. He scored against, I think, all of the top six. Um, so he was someone that I would consider a big game player. I wouldn't really go to Aubameyang. I, I would probably shift over to Lacazette. I think the reason why Arsenal gave him that extension is because I think they've seen another ageing forward in Jamie Vardy and how he's still producing goals at his age of 34. And still rapid, like I don't know how he's still rapid. I think his Red Bull still gives him wings. So um, <laughs> they've seen they've seen that, and um, they think, okay, we can still give him that if he can produce like Jamie Vardy. But as we've seen this season, he's actually gone missing. I'm not defending him at all. I don't care if he's our captain. I 
I'll make the big statement out there. He should have been sold last season. On the back of that season, the 22 goals, we could have got an enormous amount of profit for him and sold him on for maybe 60 million. Get, get even a profit on what we bought him for. I think he was, he was worth that at that time. But we didn't. Um, I think he's been persuaded by, like you said, the fan base, him being the captain. We know about his drippy, drippy style, all of that. Like, I think he's been persuaded that that. And something has gone on this season, I think, personally with him. I don't know what's up, but it's another case of Ozil. And I hope that isn't the case as well. But apparently he seems to like what Arteta's doing. So I think that's why he stayed. But it's hard. I want to defend my boy, but there's also, you've mentioned good points in there. Like, he's come in and had a good goal record since he's come in at the squad. I think no one scored more goals than him. I hate that stat where they say no one scored more goals than you since you joined the Premier League or since you've done this. I don't get where this stat existed from. Like, nobody has assisted more than Mesut Ozil since he joined the league. I don't care. Like, it's just, like, it's just a bit annoying. But you mentioned Zaha as well, and you mentioned someone else. Richarlison. Richarlison. Richarlison's... Interesting because yeah, he was really good at Watford. He was good at Watford. I don't know if it warranted a big move to Everton though. I think that's why it's a bit. And I think Watford fans were finally happy that they had somebody with a bit of flair. I can't. When you think of Watford, you don't think of flair. I'm sorry, like you just don't think of that. But he came in and brought that. Um, I think his manager was it Rudy Garcia at the time, or was it? Uh, Marcus Oh, it was. It was. It was. My bad. Um, but. Um, he came in, got the best out of Richarlison. Um, the reason I'm giving him benefit of the doubt is because, like you said, he's with Ancelotti, and Ancelotti's done wonders with Calvert-Lewin. At one point, I was like, Calvert-Lewin, for me, I just didn't know where he was going. After that interview with Tubes on Soccer AM, well, that's, I remember that. I was like, <laughs> you're, you're a dead baller. I don't know what you're doing. But and he still he made wrong. the Emirates your dance floor as well. He, he, proved, he proved to me that he can still do it. Like... He, uh, credit to him. Uh, Zaha, yeah, he's, he's not a big game player. Um, I mentioned that I probably would have preferred him over Pepe. But now the fact that you're considering him and Pepe's in my exit, in my starting 11, I don't even know where I'm going with this anymore. But <laughs> have you, have you, is there anybody that you're leaning towards more than the other? Um, um, yeah, I'm leaning towards the... a <laughs> <laughs> It's uh... your squad, I mean. Um, it's a, it's a difficult one. It's a difficult one. I think, um, look, if I, if I, if I take the whole rivalry thing out of it, I don't think Aubameyang sort of, if the only reason Aubameyang warrants any kind of mention is probably this season. Um, but take that out of it. I think he's done a good job at Arsenal since he arrived. It's just that you lot just hype him up so much because he's got a bit of drip. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And he and he doesn't mind a bit of slang every now and then. So you know, Arsenal fans just tag on to that. Um, but I think as well, like with Aubameyang, I think as I mentioned, it's more the stuff surrounding him, um, like the contract and all of that kind of thing. Um, yeah, Richarlison. I mean, I've I've been to see him a couple of times. Hasn't delivered. Same with Zaha. You know, but you're going to these games and you're like, oh yeah, you know, it'd be quite interesting to see how. You know how they play, how they get on. Obviously, a lot of talk about them um, yeah. and stuff like that. Um, I'm gonna le- I'm gonna go for Wilf. Cool. I'm Wilf. gonna go for Wilf. Um, like I say, it's 
listen, the guy has got a different amount of ability. Like he is different. He's definitely one that gets you off the edge of your seat, but it's only yeah. in certain times and in certain games where he wants to, basically. Um, and not only as well, like he is a bit of a hothead, Wilf. Like he does yeah, lose, no, he does switch pretty quick. Um, so I don't think that goes in his favour either. Um, but yeah, I think Richarlison ran ran Wilf pretty close. Cool. Um, so yeah, Wilf. So my front three: Antonio, Tammy Abraham, and Wilfred Zaha. Nice one, nice one, nice one. So we can do a recap of our teams uh, just to run through before we end. Go for um, it. So I'll read mine. Um, three four three formation: uh, Edison in goal, Michael Keane, Lindelof, Harry Maguire fills out my centre back uh, back three. Uh, the four in the middle, I've got right wing back Ainsley Maitland-Niles. I've got Paul Labille Pogba, aka Stormzy's cousin. I've got um, uh, who did I put? I've got Ruben Loftus-Cheek, centre back, uh, centre midfield pairing, uh, and I've put Callum Hudson-Odoi Cho on the left wing back up front. You've got Anthony Marshall, my captain of the squad, king uh, of overratedness. Um, I've got Nicola Pepe on the right wing, and by the save by the bell, save by Wes, Ferran Torres makes my left wing and not Stevie Bird. So Stevie Bergwin, if you are watching this, if you are watching this, Steve, I've done you a favour here. I've stuck on, up to you against an Arsenal fan. Um, my <laughs> team, um, obviously I had a few options. I believe it went for Aaron Ramsdale. It feels like a long time ago now. Uh, Aaron Ramsdale uh, was my goalkeeper. Yeah. Um, back for Matt Doherty or Doberto Carlos to his mates um, in there. Um, Tony Rudiger, um, because you went with Harry Maguire, Slaved, yeah. um, Tyro Mings um, and Benjamin Mendy. Uh, cool. Complete my back four. A midfield three then of Rodri, um, Fred and Mason Mount. Um, and then up top was Mikel Antonio, Tammy Abraham and Wilfred Zaha. Um, Nelson, who, if if you had a manager in there, who would it be? Interesting one, because I was about to ask you the same question. Yeah. If you're a manager. Uh, I've gone with Chris Wilder. Wow. Yeah. Wow. I've gone with Chris Wilder. Um, I felt like it was difficult to put... Uh, it was between Chris Wilder and... Um, Arteta, my boy. Like I think he, I think he, I think, I think Arteta is over. I don't, I don't know if people rated him, but I think people were overrating him on the fact that he was the prodigy or not prodigy. Um, what's the Pep's homeboys. Pep's homeboys. Yeah, that's the one. That's the one. Yeah. So there was that, but for him to do what he did and win us the trophy, I don't, I never expected a trophy when he first came in. I just wanted him to just do a just solid job but he's won us a trophy so I give yeah I'll, I just kind of backed him there Chris Wilder overachievers we know we all know Sheffield United overachieved um like you were talking about Aaron's, Aaron Ramsdale earlier and the fact that you know their run of form you know the fact that Dean Henderson isn't in goal and now Sheffield United on a you know a terrible horrific losing run um I think a lot of that also comes down to the manager himself. I think he like no no like just I think the fact that 
that's why I think Sean, like I even thought of Sean Dyche, but the fact at one point Burnley did overachieve, but Sean Dyche has still kept them in the league. And I think that's a testament to what he's been able to use with his resources. Chris Wilder has, is in pretty much in the same situation as Sean Dyche, but hasn't been able to get the same level of production from the same group of players that he has. And I think he made a really shrewd signing in Rian Brewster. I thought that was a very good signing. But again, like he hasn't been able to produce. And I'm worried that they're going to do even worse than Derby. Have they still got a point from this? I think they still got a point or got maybe two. two. Got two. Yeah. And I'm worried we're already at the halfway point of the season. And I'm worried that they're going to have less than Derby and have less than 11 points. And yeah. I know the general population don't look at coaches as much, but obviously I like to pay attention to coaches and, you know, the way they manage and their strengths and weaknesses. And I think Chris Wilder is someone that I think, especially because he was English, we know how the English media love to hype their own people. So I just thought he was overrated in that sense, just because especially the back end of the media that he was considered a really good manager. Yeah, I think the season's kind of proven that. So who have you gone for? I went for your underrated 11 manager, Graham Potter. Most wait. underrated manager in the league, bar I think, none. Oh, yeah. He definitely so, went for Potter in the, in the under, underrated um, 11 because mine was Ralph, I believe. Oh, you did pick Ralph. Yeah, I did. Uh, Ralph Hassenhutl. Um, and yeah, you went I with Graham I had him, Potter. Yeah. Go on. Um, so yeah, I've gone with Graham Potter. I think he's massively overrated. Um, everybody talks about how much good football Brighton play. All right, they do play good football. Um, don't get me wrong, it's nice to watch, easy on the eye, but it hasn't really got Brighton anywhere. Um, yeah. You know, they had one league win, one league win in the calendar year of 2020. That and is that, that was is against awful. us. Yeah, probably. Uh, <laughs> it was yeah, I um, so yeah. that in itself is awful um yeah like i said they've not really when he came in you're thinking right okay great that we've got another young english coach or british coach in in the premier league but they sacked chris Hutton because they were almost fighting relegation yeah they've brought graham potter in and you think right start change the playing style see how we get on but brighton is still where they were when they sacked Chris Hutton. So for me, it was like, yeah. well, what's the point in sacking Chris Hutton? Um, you know, he spent a lot of money on championship players as well. Um, 24, of 22 to 24 million, I believe, on Morpay. Uh, 20 million on Webster um, as well. He spent quite a bit of money on Matt Clark as well. I think that was at least sort of 16 million uh maybe I think but it was quite a lot considering I think they got him from Portsmouth Um, but he's been shipped out on loan to Derby the last sort of couple of times Um, and then he's brought in some like proper like unknown Donnies like from the (laughs) from some deep rural part of Europe or something but somehow they like qualify to play for France or something like you know one of them ones yeah Uh, or you know Switzerland or something like that and you think well why don't you either just bring someone through from your academy, like you have done with Aaron Connolly and Ben White, the two examples? But you know he's he's brought in some strange players, uh, Graham Potter, and it hasn't it hasn't worked out. Obviously, 
Lamptey is is one that he has brought in for for a bag of chips, basically, and you know he could easily get a move for 20, 30 million tomorrow. Um, you know, strong rumours that Arsenal want him um, as well. But yeah, I just think by and large, I don't see I don't see the progression with Brighton. Uh, yeah. Which is strange considering not that long ago they they changed their manager. So yeah, and like I say, the whole league league wins in in twenty twenty was was the biggest shock um, for me. But um, he also looks like a bit of a supply PE teacher <laughs> as well. Um, you know when you when your main PE teacher's like off sick or something, and you got to get you got to get a supply in. Like he strikes me as that kind of guy. Yeah, Graham um, yeah. Potter. Um, so yeah, definitely, definitely overrated uh, for me. Great. You happy with that? Yeah, that fills both of our teams out. Lovely. I'm just interested to see who would win a football match between oh. If only, if only there was a way that we could try and make that happen one day. That would be brilliant. Yeah, that, that would be, be brilliant. Um, right then, guys, that is it for this uh, particular episode. We we hope you enjoyed listening. Um, apologies for any um, technical faults that um, that happened yeah. during during the podcast episode. Um, so all that leaves me to do is thank Nelson for his contributions on his overrated 11. It was definitely um, overrated. Um, <laughs> pardon the pun there. Um, but also this is on YouTube. So make sure that you like this video, subscribe to the channel, comment your thoughts in the comment section as well on any of our selections um, and turn that notification bell on as well. So you know every time that we post um, also, we are on Spotify, so please give us a follow on there um, at WM32Football. Um, and that goes for all social media platforms as well. So Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, uh, TikTok. Um, and also our online shop um, is now live and direct. So if you would like to purchase any WM32Football merch, a little bit similar to the polo that I'm wearing today, um, then please head over to the website www. Uh, wm32football.com forward slash shop uh, for any any merch um, Nelson thank you ever so much for your time thank you Wes enjoy this episode hopefully back next week yeah we will see you guys very very soon uh, take care and stay safe everybody <laughs>